evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Warrior Dash Show's second stream. And we're still covering Given, even though the show has now concluded. We thought I'd come back for an encore, as, you know, the band is often wants to do. But indeed, we have become a band today because we've actually got a guest star on the show. But I'm Shane, of course, and joining me as always, uh, from across the pond but close to my heart, is the Subtle Doxer. Uh, it is I, the unnecessary flat guitar solo that no one asked for. Boo! Boo! Um, well, to boo as well. well. <laughs> I thought you did a good job. That was a good, good enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that lovely voice you're hearing there is our very special guest star for today. Uh, please give it up, of course, for Anthony Gramulia from CBR. Uh, hi, hi. Uh, what's up? I, I appreciate the applause. That's uh, it's quite uh, quite something there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I cheated, by the way, and I actually copied your name from our previous Discord chat, including the phonetic uh, spelling of it. Oh yeah, it's so that way I didn't cock it up. No, no um, one, no one no. pronounces it correctly. I've gotten the weirdest pronunciations in the world. It's, at least you aren't like a lawyer who's trying to say it on like a live stream, who's like saying, "Hey, <laughs> I don't know." I've, uh, anyway, yes, live stream, li- live stream lawyers as of late have really been going down the pan. <laughs> am I right? I mean, oh, it's really oh, hard oh. to go downhill when you're already at like. At that level Aww. already, so what am I going to do? No, so as you've already well, stated, you know. so as you said before, I'm, my name is Anthony. I work, write for uh, sites like CBR, The Mary Sue. Uh, I've done work on Screen Man before. I tweet obnoxiously on whatever on whatever topic falls under my nose that day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I've seen this this anime given, and I have feelings uh, that are going to be. Uh, interesting to share i think excellent yeah that's good to say and don't forget the anime feminist you also write for which is how oh yeah uh i discovered your your work and your twitter and i mean kind of the reason we're doing this show today in a lot of ways is because of that wonderful little write-up you did on um go for it nakamura which i subsequently bought yeah so good Oh, I love it's, that it's lovely. <laughs> it's such a delight. It's I think so I good. saw some like audit because I follow a lot of like artists on uh, on Twitter and stuff like that, like different uh, Western comic art writers and artists too, and like inspired by manga. And I kept seeing people talk about this manga, you know, uh, go for it, you know. And I'm seeing uh, pictures of it. I'm thinking my first thoughts were, oh, it looks like um, like Vanga One Half, like a Rumiko yes. Takah- Takahashi hmm. um, manga. And I was like, this is really cool. I like this. And I read it, and I was like, oh, this is. This is up my alley entirely. I loved every second of it. No, yes, Anime Feminist <laughs> also. It's another big writing credit of mine. I love that site. The editorial staff there are fantastic. They're very much like a hands-on. Like they'll, you know, you'll, you'll send their, your work in, and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, this is good." However, here's some really good suggestions that'll make it go from good to excellent. I just love mm. those guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd. That's excellent. Yeah. No, they're they're great. I, I have nothing. Shouts uh, to Amelia and and all the fam over there. Mm, yeah. Indeed, nothing but kind things to say about those guys. No, Good yeah. stuff. All right, so uh, before we get into our discussions here, um, this episode is going to serve a couple of purposes. Uh, myself, Anthony, and Doc are going to discuss the show as a whole now that it's concluded, because if you had listened to our previous episode when we saw out Song 2, uh, the final episode of the show, really? uh, we offered our thoughts on that episode, but we didn't actually discuss the show as a whole and our overall feelings on it. 
so this is what this episode is going to serve. We're also going to get Anthony's perspective on a couple of topics. Uh, we've got more Patreon questions to answer as well, and we're going to talk about favourite moments as well. So there's going to be plenty to go along here, even though the show has, now has finished airing. Uh, but firstly, if I may just pass the baton over to Doc. Uh, Doc, can you actually tell us, uh, this is something we normally do in our regular streams, but we haven't done this sound. Can you tell us about the people who actually made Given? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So this is uh, a thing that we neglected to do on our sort of trimmed down. bad. Right, second, <laughs> second stream podcast, because we're bad. Uh, <laughs> but now that we are kind of talking about the, the fuller work as a whole, we thought it would be good to highlight the creatives involved. So um, as probably everyone knows, I think, that has uh, been in the Given fandom, uh, Given is uh, based on a manga that is by mangaka Natsuki Kizu and uh, is currently five volumes out, but it's still ongoing. It began in April of 2013, and the anime TV adaptation uh, was directed by uh hikaru yamaguchi who like when you look at uh yamaguchi's cv uh at least the one i have pulled up on anime news network Mm -hmm. um not a lot of directorial credits in fact apart Hmm. from a very tiny sort of two episode oav called esha kron uh which i don't really i don't really know what that is (laughs) but apart from that um, this is the first uh, major directorial credit that Yamaguchi has. Um, Yamaguchi's done storyboarding, some episode direction um, for Osamatsu-san, Classicaloid, uh, mm. some good shows, but um, now they are heading up this project and will also direct the upcoming Given 2020 film. Um, huh. And okay. the, uh, the head writer for the TV show, who will also write the film, is uh, Yuniko Ayana, who has uh, a- has a much larger CV in terms of script writing and series composition, um, but not a lot that I have seen actually. Um, hmm. They've written some scripts for shows like Occult Academy, Little Busters, uh, the sequel to Last Exile, Fam, The Silver Wing, the unfortunate sequel. I have to say. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, any any sequel to something beginning with the title The Last is inherently a lie. I mean, Last Airbender. <laughs> it's true. That's a, that's an excellent point. I mean, there is the Last um, Airbender sequel, which was, uh, you know, had moments, I guess. No, they, yeah, of course. Korra had moments, um, but um, mixed feelings on the on the second season there for that. But, you know, ended well. So, yeah, sorry, cut you off there. My bad. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I know that there are some big Aikatsu fans in my timeline and uh this person wrote some scripts for ikatsu seasons one and two um yeah there's a ton of stuff here but uh a lot of it again has been kind of outside of my wheelhouse like i'm not a digimon person i haven't watched like a lot of idol shows and that seems to have been um ayana's bread and butter uh up until at least this point right which Um, uh which digimon shows did you work on Uh, just interrupt so no no worries. Um so screenplay for three Digimon films, the uh, a couple the Adventure Tri movies, oh, Determination, okay. Reunion and Loss. Okay. Okay. I can So I guess I the newer that. iterations. Yeah, they're like a newer uh I, they're a newer one. I'm not like a huge Digimon fan, but I have friends who like are very passionate about it. So I'm kind of like here by osmosis. I I I stopped following Digimon back after uh 
think the fourth series back back years ago, and it's never really like a casual interest, but never got into like it again as like a big thing. You uh you digi evolved onto better things. Oh, that's that's a that's a bad thing. Oh, oh, that, that oh, one hurt. I'm sorry. Oh. <sighs> uh, I apologize. I've, I've got to pop my pills now just so I after hearing There's that. only one more person I wanted to shout out though before we move on to actually talking about the show. And I'll be remiss, I think we all would, if we did not talk about Mishiru, the lady who is responsible for the songs mm. in in the show. Mm. Um, and it is, or actually the score, I, I apologize. Um, the, like the, whenever the band is doing their concert on stage and I believe their sort of jam session, uh, those songs are actually by, uh, Senta Mental. but the, the OST, which is kind of the more, um, I feel like, uh, sedate's not the right word, but kind of the more warm and laid back acoustic guitar stuff. Um, that is Mishiru and Mishiru has done, uh, music for several other anime. Um, I think, uh, is that of the last, Witch is the one that I oh knew her my from God. the music and it was good though. <laughs> the uh, music was yeah, good. That's, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just, I just had like a gag reflex reminding myself of that, like, you know, complete puff of air. Ugh. I can hear the trauma anyway. in your voice already. I can hear you like being like, I, I feel like you're back in like old war flashbacks right now with. Uh... <laughs> how, how ironic, given the right. show was about a war. Mm-hmm. Fair. That's fair. Ugh. Oh, man. I. It, it wasn't as bad as all that. Shadon is. Guess out. Overreacting. Guess out. Um, <laughs> I think you're correct on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, by the way, Adsy, we will be having a uh, slot open up for a new co-host oh, of uh, yeah. Show very soon. Would you be would you be curious in joining? Well, um, if you don't mind buying me a, new, a better mic, I'd certainly be fine with that. <laughs> it's all right. You could have Docs. He's going to be trading in That's soon, right. completely That's for right. unrelated reasons. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been informed if you have estate sales after the, uh, the passing of uh, people, you can really... Get good prices mm, on on the clothing off. Interesting. Their, clothing off their back sells well. You have any fillings, by the way? Those uh, those go. Quite <laughs> well. Man, I, I feel oh. I feel like this could be the start of a profitable relationship. <laughs> wow. Does that make uh, me the? Uh, was it David Lee Roth that exited Van Halen, or was it Sammy Hagar? Oh, Whoever it was. Oh God, I'm uh, the worst person to ask that question to. <laughs> If I start, if people start typing noises, that is not me going to Wikipedia. I promise you. <laughs> I I don't remember names at all. I, I I told you before we started that uh, I literally had to bring up the character sheets, the character sheets, character lists up just to make sure I get the names right because I'll mispronounce names all the time. It's awful. If I don't have it like written out in front of me, I just stumble. So yeah, that's uh, my memory in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> you are you are our our spiritual kin. <laughs> on this show, oh. we mispronounce names and forget shit. Oh, no, That's just I... what we do. We're, we're bad. It's, 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 it's the worst. That's why I write half the time because I know I can mm. like I can always check later. You know, typing you can go back and fix anything up with speech. Once you say it, it's out there and that's it. So what I have to say on uh, about giving, once I say it, I can't go back and like patch it up through editing or not so uh it's all right i accept uh, cash contributions you know <laughs> since i'll be editing this shortly <laughs> oh i mean well, well, you're your next of kin anyway 
That's true. That's true. All right. Um, so I think that wraps up the uh, show's uh, credentials insofar as staff goes. Um, now, obviously, for those of you listening at home, myself and Doc, we've spoke hours on hours about the show, episode by episode, for 11 times, you know. So you're probably a bit bored to death of listening to us. So let's pass it over to our guest here. Uh, Anstey, can you give us your thoughts on Given just in general for the moment? Then we'll move on to more specifics in, in a second. Okay, I'm going to hold back on talking about my opinions on the show's pacing and plotting because I feel we're going to go into that a bit more later on. My initial thoughts going in um, was that it looked very... Um, my When I looked at the, you know, the early artwork and Twitter posts about it and heard you guys talking about it. I thought, and, I, and by the way, they know I have not told them anything about my thoughts deliberately <laughs> because I want to see that. I'm wasting. Okay. So initially I went in, I'm thinking, Oh, this is kind of sweet and cute. You know, nothing too intense, you know, just, just guys hanging out two bros, you know, and um, I'm going to be honest. The show was at its best when it was the character drama stuff was at its mm-hmm. weakest when it was kind of spinning its wheels. I mm. feel like Given would have been better as a movie than as a series. Because I think uh-huh. even at 11 episodes, it kind of... And I'll go into more detail later about this. I feel that at 11 episodes, it was too long for its own good, for the story it was trying to tell. Um, mm. I think that my favorite character was like... What's his name? The long-haired guy with the goat, with the little little stubble, and uh, who's in charge? That'd of be him. Haruki. I yeah, believe. Haruki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, my favorite character by far. I thought his story was the most. I felt the most emotional for him. You know, the whole unrequented love thing going on. You know, hmm. from him being all like, "Oh, you know, hey, my my bandmate's kind of cool. It's a little scary looking, but kind of want him." <laughs> Although that being said, when he's like. When your friend's passed out on your couch, the worst decision is to take your phone out and be like, maybe if I take a photo of him while he's snoring drunk. Yeah. That was, a, that was where it got me a little like, okay, that's a little off. I feel like, although, <laughs> and this is the part that I think is going to get me, the most criticism, um, I did not really get Mafuyu until, like, two-thirds of the way through the series. Until that point, I was kind of like, he kind of felt like a manic pixie dream boy, I guess, for ah. a bit at first. You know, here's this main character, you know, uh, Ritsuka. Um, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. I think it's Uechi, actually, if you go by what they say often in the show. That's fair. That's oh, fair. then the little nickname? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like, Ritsuka, he's, you know a bad place, he's having a rough time, and I really liked at first how the interaction was helping his character arc out. Like, I loved how his uh, discussion, his talking, his relationship, him, you know, fixing up the guitar strings and bringing him on the band and always being, like, a blushy mess around this guy. I liked how that was building up his character, but then I think it really hit around, like, episode 5, this problem started to come up. I feel like his arc ended on episode five well, right, well like right when he learns about like mafuyu how mafuyu's uh you know older boyfriend you know uh killed himself yuki right yuki yeah correct so. mm-hmm. once that happens i don't think his character really develops beyond that point i feel like at that point the story moves away from him and becomes more about 
fool you, but it becomes... It reveals stuff slowly. We get hints here and bits there. And I don't think until episode 8 that I really started to like Mafuyu as a character. Because before that, he was kind of like a like a blank slate. Mm. And the one thing about like uh, uh, queer fiction in general, there's a lot of tropes that have become tired in mainstream romance and mainstream fiction. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl being one of them. But a lot of people... Um, are of, the, are of a, a school of thought where they say, you know, yeah, it's tired in this, but it's never been done through a queer lens before. It's never been done with, you know, male, male. Um, and because of that, there's a lot of forgiveness towards certain uh, overused tropes and cliches if they're being used for uh, a new relationship. So if this was... And that's why I'm trying to rationalize my head. Because on one hand, I did like this quite a lot. I think it was really it worked really well. I think the romance worked really well, especially towards the beginning, bits in the middle, and especially at the end. Because the last three episodes were really solid. Uh, I have another. Th- I have thoughts on the plotting, but I think the romance aspect was really well done there. Um, I think between the point where the uh, where they fight right before the concert, they get into a little you know spud, you know argument, and to the very end of the series, I think the romance is handled really well. I think that's the best it's handled, honestly. But I feel mm-hmm. that. The tropiness of the relationship, I'm not sure if it brings the show down at all in any way. Because from a writing standpoint, it is an overused cliche, but it's not done too frequently with uh, LGBTQ uh, characters. Hmm. Yeah. Which is a... I mean... You know, no, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Oh, so go ahead. No, no, I, I have nothing uh, to say. I was just babbling. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I see where you're coming from with that, Anthony, because I think that... From my perspective, like, looking back at the show as a whole, I'm wondering if the issue is not necessarily in Matthew's betrayal uh, throughout the episodes up until the point in which we learn his backstory, but rather the connective tissue that needs to be there to get from how he was in the flashbacks with Yuki, where he was obviously a lot more um, expressive. He was a lot more, a bit more extroverted. You know, he had good quips and good banter going. And then he obviously, you know, suffered trauma as a result of that incident. And then regressed or like came back into shell, became more inward. I'm wondering if that might be the fault of the writing, therefore, rather than the fact that he simply is, as you say, a manic pixie dream boy. Because I think that like the thing about tropes and cliches to me, like I under- I certainly have seen a lot of them where they are tired and boring and shit and awful, mm. and I just don't care for them. I should. Probably... But there are times when I oh, oh so go on. I was, I was going to interrupt you and say. Um, tropes aren't inherently bad, it's just how they're yes. used so often, I think. Yes, that's true, yeah. Especially if there's no right, real innovation to them or anything that makes them distinct from like every other character. Like, mm-hmm. I think that if it gets to the point where you have a character who can be defined by tropes and you could literally take them out of one show or work and put them into another mm-hmm. and you wouldn't really notice the difference, that's when it's an issue. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah, and there's, there's also... Um... To to stick up for tropes, if I mm. if I may here. No, I'm I'm a fan <laughs> of tropes. Go for it. I love tropes. Uh, I have a job about all... tropes. <laughs> or indeed, right, right, for sure. Mm. Um, I I feel like also like um so oftentimes like we kind of uh when when we podcast about anime we're um kind of analyzing it strictly as uh, a piece of art, but I do think that there are some tropey uh anime there's uh, this is true for a lot of different media books uh games whatever um that essentially are tropes but they're not 
sort of toxic or harmful ones. And just as kind of uh, on, on level of a product, um, I think those can be fine and, mm-hmm. and can serve uh, people's needs. Um, though they, that doesn't make them, you know, good, uh, good art necessarily, but, but yeah, no, I just, uh, wanted to, to slot that in there in favor of, uh, tropey, tropey works of fiction. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so to go back to what I was saying, I think that like, is it more the case that there just isn't enough like connective tissue between, um, Matthews, like to, to flesh out essentially the decline of Matthew as a person from when he was with Yuki to the point in which we first meet him in the show, and then his gradual return to, as Doc described it in the previous episode, a kind of synthesis of those experiences, plus returning to a part of his old self? I think the big issue with with me, with Mafuyu, Mafuyu is um, there need to be more done with them. Like, I think more individual small moments. Yeah. Because in a lot of stories, the best moments are the tiny small ones. Like, yes. I'll, I'll give you an example. I've just been uh, showing my partner... Um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I'm going to get to Ava again in a bit because there's something else, especially in episode I think five or six, that like struck me as a big fan of Evangelion. Um, Speaking my language, buddy. Oh, I love love that series so much. <laughs> um, but no, so in Ava, there is a lot of the same ideas. The character of Shinji, for example, is a lot is you know, very melancholic, very mm, insular, mm. very shy. But there are tiny moments that say a great deal. And I feel like Given's big problem from a writing standpoint was it had the big ideas. The big ideas it's trying to get across, it's got them. You know, the big emotional moments, it it hits them head on. Uh, Especially true with, again, the beginning and I think the end really did that well. The problem is building to those moments, they feel stronger if there's all these tinier bits too. Um, Hmm. So... A good example. Yeah, I'm struggling oh, to I'm I'm struggling to think of too many of those beyond when uh Mafuyu and Uenoyama go shopping for the guitar pedals. Mm-hmm. That was one um, of the best. I felt I like that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that episode was strong in that department, but uh after that, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of struggling to think of the smaller the smaller moments. Um maybe those got swallowed up in the in the montages that mm-hmm. they kind of leaned on from time to time. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really liked um, Haruki's character. That was the band leader, right? Band leader? Yeah. yeah. I loved yeah. him because he had so much vibrancy. And I got to say right now, um, I've, I just had to recently um, review for CBR the, the live-action Tokyo Ghoul movies, where, Ooh, which mm. take place. I'm not, a big, I'm not a particularly big Tokyo Ghoul fan myself, but... The reason I bring it up is because they have these beautiful-looking cafes where they make the coffee in front of you with like little little setup there, and they pour the water into the ah artisanal, yeah. So while watching uh, Given with that beautiful cafe, I just <laughs> I had to drink coffee. I think I am now. I think my blood, if you took a sample of my blood, is literally <laughs> just caffeine. I think you can find whole beans just floating out my bloodstream <laughs> at this point. It's really terrible. Duck. I love Doctor, it. he's type N for Nescafe. I love it. Oh my god! <laughs> I just, I that that coffee is like food porn for me. I just adore it. <laughs> it's also one of the reasons why Yuri and Ice was such a, uh, a an agonizingly wonderful experience to experience because every episode they had like little little food in you know in like the middle commercial break section. And every time I saw that, I was like, well, now I gotta make that food. Now I gotta cook that. Now I gotta cook that. Now I gotta cook. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. It was the worst. <laughs> 
my <laughs> wife has this affliction also. Like she, every time we watch, I feel like Japanese anything. I mean, we were watching. Um, you brought this up in Discord the other day, mm-hmm. Anthony. Uh-huh. We were watching GMK actually. Oh my god, um, so good! And, eh? and there's it's so it's really good. And uh, there's a scene where people are in uh, like a restaurant or bar and they're eating noodles. And Annie, my wife, was like, "Even here, <laughs> even, even here in here. a Godzilla movie, now I have to go eat these noodles." Yeah, oh my god, I freaking love it. <laughs> Any Japanese anything, and she sees the food, and we must eat Asian food. No, it's, it's bad when. When I, going back to Yuri and Ice for a second, when I we, we I watched it with my partner, the next day we got uh, Katsudan. Like, we we we, <laughs> we 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 stalked the the rest, you know, the menus online of Japanese places nearby, and we just, yeah, what's this um this pork thing? I'll have that. You know, I'm trying to pretend we don't know what, what we're getting, but we we totally know what we're getting. <laughs> and it's even nice. worse. It's even worse now. They have like a like a Victor like keychain on my on my key set. So it'll be like, yeah, what's no. this what's this Katsudan thing? You take that key uh. down. And it's like, oh, <laughs> he knows. They real and then he's got these weird looks from the from the staff because they know that you're a complete nerd and you just went to a Japanese restaurant because you. Okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Myself now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Hey, you can't go wrong with good food one way or the other. No, no I mean, um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I'm right now. I'm recording in a closet, and the knowledge that I'm not going to be anywhere near food unless I come out of the closet and go get food is just a just a troubling experience. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> be starved in this oh. closet. That's why you should never stay in closets. It's bad. It's bad. It's Always bad. Always bad. No. Can I, um, Julie, know it? <laughs> can I take a, a moment to agree with something you said? I think right at the start, Anthony, was mm-hmm. that. Um, Given's length, I, I do think that um, for the goals that the show clearly had, it was too long by a bit, mm. which is curious because I, I feel that there are enough characters if the adaptation, uh, if the folks that we talked about at the top of the show doing the adaptation were more kind of uh, at liberty to be adventurous Mm -hmm. they could have used the time that it felt like the show was indeed spinning its wheels with the four boys to flesh Mm -hmm. out um the ladies or bring some adults in or kind of give us more the tertiary characters the the cast uh the ensemble cast was um quite large for a show of this type and this Mm -hmm. length and uh but but yet and still it feels too long because the focus is squarely on the two leads primarily and secondarily on uh, Akihiko and Haruki. Exactly. And so yeah, it's, it's sort of a curious kind of uh, final product mm. in that way. Yeah. And enough- I think that as... Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, go no, on, no, no, no. It can wait. It can wait. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, like, knowing this is a manga, like, I think that... I, I mean, we've covered, like, shows that have been adapted from manga before where you can sort of see the seams in places or of, like, where... This is a big deal in the manga, but the manga doesn't have the same restriction format-wise as television does, where it has to fit that particular, mm. like, 11 or 12 episode uh, timeline. Because, mm-hmm. arguably, um, Given's best moment, and I think that we can probably all agree on this, mm-hmm. is, of course, when Matthew sings and performs for the band in episode 9. And I have to wonder if just merely by, like, in an alternate version of this work merely by making that the final moment of the show, like closing out on that, would it have been more powerful, I wonder? Because... Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't I've said before... Yeah. 
Yeah, because I've said before, like about how we, me and Doc, have talked shop about shows like Erased or Violet Evergarden, where they're like big narrative thrusts, the thing that drives them forward. They kind of end around the same point episode number-wise as Given does. Uh, Violet, you know, having her closure with her former commanding officer in, like, I think it was episode 8, and similarly in Erased when Hinazaki is saved in episode 8. It seems to be episode 8 curse, I don't know. Hmm. Um, and after that point, those two shows were still good, don't get me wrong, but the thing that, like, the, the throughput, like, the, the lifeblood that went through all the way through it uh, just kind of stopped. And mm. Given half suffers from that, in my opinion, because unlike with Erased and uh, Via Evergarden, there was still, it felt like the show had shifted gears onto a new plot thread, which Haruki uh, lays out, which is public versus private performance. Like, you can't be doing this in public, mm. you know, <clears throat> which, oh, yeah. for, which for, you know, two um, gay men, like, freshly in love with each other and freshly, well, at least for one of them, like, freshly aware of their own sexuality must be quite suffocating. Well, beyond just that, and... also the Japanese uh, pop industry is... Have you ever looked up the contracts that J-pop people have to sign, like, the idols? I... Yeah, I, 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 idol stuff is awful. Like, yeah. you can't have boyfriends and stuff, otherwise you will be, like, like forced to do public apologies. Yeah. You'll be prostrated before I, people, I like, made was. an example of. I forget who it was, but there was a um, a pop idol recently who was, uh, I think, a fan doxter online and posted her his, her information. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it was. I'm, I might be getting part of the story wrong. If I am, uh, someone in the comments will happily correct me, I'm sure, without any animosity. But um, she was, but she was doxxed and was actually assaulted on her property by a, by a, I think a fan. And Ugh. not only did she have to issue an apology, but then she was let go by her agency because um, they I think thought she was like either like, uh, like, like damaged goods. I think was the term I was seeing oh. online. It was oh, the, yeah, and it's disgusting. The, the it's tearing awful. down of that divide, yeah. And if you add to that to the whole lifestyle of, uh, you know, of, of a queer lifestyle, um, if someone is, this actually goes into something that has nothing to do with anime whatsoever, but it does have to do with another topic I love, uh, horror. There's a really interesting documentary going around about the making of the second Nightmare on Elm Street film. Uh, hmm. This will make sense in a few seconds, so bear with me for a second. The, <laughs> no, go right ahead. The film is often criticized. Um, I think there's a Cracked.com article that called it the gayest horror film ever made. You know, so it's has a little bit of tongue-in-cheek reputation, but over time became like a, a cult classic. But the lead actor who was gay was he was essentially like blacklisted uh, or if, after releasing it because uh, he couldn't escape the. Uh, the connection with a, a gay movie in the 80s during the height of the uh, during the beginning of the AIDS crisis yeah and the documentary I won't say anything for those who haven't seen it yet but he goes to like the writers and directors and asks like what were you guys thinking did you know what was happening to me as a result of this film being so this way you know it's interesting uh, if you get a chance to watch it it'll probably be on streaming sometime before the eight years over I've been hearing people say but um, it's quite good anyway what I bring up is that with a band you know, like the band in Given, which I believe is called Given by the end of the series, is that correct? That, that is was, correct. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I like misinterpreted that or not. I wasn't sure if they're going <laughs> from seasons to Given. Okay, um, but um, with a band like that in a country that's now Japan is obviously not you know as homophobic as many people say it is. Obviously, it is a huge community and an upright you know a social movement. I would compare it to America during the eighties, mm-hmm. during 
the movie I just gave an example of, essentially. And, um, you know, if you're exposed like that, it's going to reflect on public opinion. It's going to affect, uh, reflect on how everyone perceives the band. And that could be to its benefit or to its detriment, depending on how you handle that criticism, how you handle that feedback. So mm, indeed, yeah. So you got the whole idea of the of the J-pop relationship aspect, you know, and you also got the, you know, exposing your entire band to criticism you'll receive because of your orientation, stuff outside your control. So it's very, yeah. I feel that idea would be interesting to explore in the movie or in future entries, but of this of the series, whatever may come. But I almost feel like that's not a priority for it. And I feel right. like maybe mm. it shouldn't be a priority for it because a lot of media yeah. deals with the pain of, um, you know, uh, individuals, you know, who are exposed, who are judged for who they are. It's very problematic and very – it's a dangerous trend in fiction to just exploit the pain of minorities for the sake of drama. That's not a hmm. it's not a thing I personally like to see too often unless it's done by a, a master of the craft who knows what he's doing or she's doing what they're doing. Hmm. Especially, yeah, I yeah. think like uh, like absolute kind of best case scenario um, is that per- perhaps uh, the writer sort of in a meta and sort of maybe subtle way by showing this band given that has this problem um, in a work of fiction and having that work of fiction become popular. Maybe that sort of is a roundabout way of criticizing um, this whole idea that you're talking about, the whole the stigma, while not sort of in the text of the work, exploiting the characters and and doing all that that sort of thing that you that you mentioned. I don't know if that's what is happening. I mm-hmm. would in an ideal world, I would like to think that that was going on, but mm. but as you say, like it it, it doesn't seem like. Um, necessarily an, an aim of the show no yeah yeah i mean you and i doc like we had uh, very strong feelings towards episode eight which were oh. somewhat yeah they were somewhat quelled following that so it, although i still have oh sorry go on. No, i have one question about episode eight actually um because i didn't actually listen I, del- I deliberately tried to avoid listening to your opinions on it because i didn't want to have them color my read of it um i'll probably go back and watch the episode eight after this but um did they just kind of gloss over the fact that uh, Mafuyu's father is abusive? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 that was. I did. That was like. I was like, wait a second. Did they just just, just mention that? Oh, okay. Just gonna, just gonna. Yeah. Move past that. Okay. And that's why I'm kind yeah, of concerned they, about like them dealing with pain. Cause I'm like, they kind of glossed over parental abuse. Like, okay. <laughs> it yeah, was a I like mean, a multi-pronged sort of. Uh, how do I call it? Like a, a approach, or or. Um, thrusting of like this trope, right? Of uh, it felt like mm-hmm. there were several moments in the episode that probably kind of on their own you might look the other way, but like it felt like episode eight was there's this big cumulative case against mm. the adaptation or or the writing or whatever of the of given mm-hmm. because it really felt like um, yeah. Well, here's the the tragic gay character trope kind of in mm. full force and i couldn't believe i was shocked because oh yeah uh, kill you gays right there yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it just mm. the the hands of the creatives felt much more like i felt i felt better i was like okay these are some some deft 
writers. They are, were in good hands. But man, uh, it really they really dropped the ball in episode eight, I felt, in a couple of ways, that being one of them. Shadon, I think we'll get to the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll just elaborate on the whole uh, father abusing there, where for me, like looking at from the perspective of a writer, can you drop uh, Matthew's father being abusive from the show entirely without consequence? And that to me is such an easy yes, it's actually kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, I mean... It, to me, it's purpose functionally serves to have Matthew and Yuki get close. But as we've alluded to with the whole, you know, gay tragedy trope that is, as you say, quite tired and also completely unnecessary. Can't people just hook up because they like each other? Is that mm. such an alien concept? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that reminds me of one of my favorite, uh, you know, horrible, tragic backstories in the ninth hour kind of stories from an anime. Are any of you guys familiar with the anime uh, Fushigi Yugi? No. Fushigi Yugi is a 90s, I guess you would call it isekai, because it is basically an isekai, but it's not. It's it's like mid-90s. Um, if I may if I may intervene for a second, no. I just had a funny thought. <laughs> Go for it. When you, when, you, <laughs> when you say 90s isekai, like 90s, no, but then isekai were better in the 90s. So this feels like a contradiction in of itself. Oh no, isekai this was is, uh, good at one point. Pre, <laughs> and then pre, Pre-self-aware. Out pre-self-aware isekai. Oh, man. It's also... Okay, so to give you some background, the manga for Fushigi Yugi, I think her name was Yuwatase, I believe her name was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's a a pretty big deal in the shoujo Mm -hmm. uh, manga field. But but, but, but Fushigi Yugi was her first project. She was like a... younger than I am, actually, when she did the whole thing. So props to her. But she kind of fell in love with her main antagonist. And she admitted as much. She she said like, "Oh my god, I love love Nakago. He's so hot. He's so cool." You know, and she'd say it in the notes of her manga. So going in, you're like, "Wow, this guy's a real like complete monster. He does some things in the show that are just abhorrent and vile." And you think like, "Okay, I know the manga has a crush on him. The manga writer has a crush on him. So what's she gonna do at the end?" And then at the very last, one of the last scenes of the of the, the first arc when the Spoiler alert um, for a over twenty year old anime. Um, they 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 kill him. They punch a hole through his chest. He has like a flashback. Damn. Yeah. They have like the main character has like a weird psychic mind meld flashback where he sees like Nakago's like a kid being like uh, her, his mother is killed and he's turned into oh. a child escort for the emperor and then he's turned oh. into a soul. You know, it's like every possible like bad <laughs> cliche all in like. 30 seconds. Good <laughs> it's like God. all at once in montage form, and you're like, well, <laughs> and that's it. Man, that is that is pretty bad, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that, um, that shows a yeah, problematic like, thing I, for me. <laughs> like, I love it, but it, it, it's, it is a mess. Nothing's perfect. No, God, no. Um, Especially not that. <laughs> so... So yeah, I think that like the whole like you know even just beyond like what you feel about its offensiveness or not, it's just completely functionally irrelevant mm. to the show, um, which like is often exhibit... why I find this law cases. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say it's like Exhibit A of if you were sort of writing a class on how to do an adaptation, you'd mm-hmm. be like, here is an example of fat you could trim mm. this whole thing. Yeah, yep. well, actually, <laughs> but it, yet yeah. it was untrimmed. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. unnecessary. The, yeah, the irony of that, though, is that I can see an alternate version of Given where um, this leans into stuff that I talked about in relation to Kasai and also to Yayoi, but it also goes wider than that because 
parents in general in Given are pretty much absent. Like, I was stunned that, like, Uenayama's father, like, appeared in episode 10. I was like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> I almost, at one point, was like, are these guys in college? Is that why no one, parents don't exist? I don't know! But, like, like what, that's the thing, right? And they went to, like, the, um, they went to, like, what's his name? Uh, Mafuyu's apartment, and he's like, isn't your mom home? Like, like you have a mom? <laughs> I know! I thought he was, like, made in a test tube or something. Um, but anyway, um, the reason I bring this up, though, is because, um, and this admittedly, again, is outside of my field mm-hmm. of personal experience as a cishet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, Anthony, like, um, feel free to chime in, like, if you've got any thoughts on what I'm talking, even if it's just to say, yeah, I'm chatting complete bullshit here. But my understanding is that, like, coming out is... It's never easy. No. Oh, God. No. 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 Oh. <laughs> and Never. And a big part of that, in fact, probably the biggest part of it for a lot of, uh, of queer people is probably coming out to family. Because they're people that you've been close to your entire life who, for, for, for one reason or another, may not know or may not realise. And... Or maybe they've known all along. And the fact that Given doesn't, uh, like, for Inuyama, like, you know, dealing with his own sexuality, which he does really well, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. the conversation he had with Akiko is probably the second best moment in the show's run, in my opinion. Yeah. I've... Um, but we'll, of course, cover that later. No, definitely. Um, but um, parents, like, and family being involved in, like, you know, the moment when you come out in is, of my understanding, like, one of the biggest parts of it. And yet the family plays so little part in Given's, like, examination of this. Now, mm-hmm. on the one hand, I could critique that for as is, which is to say that it really should be a part of it. Um, which is to say that, you know, like, Yayoi, for example, could have much more involvement, like, being involved in, like, you know, talking with a brother. Uh, and I don't, and like I've said before, like, that not even needs, doesn't even need to be positive. She could be antagonistic, and that could then be leading to a lesson right. of you discard, like, family that aren't good for you in that result, that aren't accepting of who you are. It's not necessary that you stick with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and then of course you've got Kasai, well Kasai's not family, but then you've got the parents as well, like, um, you know Matthew, sorry not Matthew, uh, Uenoyama's father like being involved, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, I can also make a counter argument, which is to say that it one way or another it doesn't matter on a wider level, mm. like obviously it matters very much to individuals or some, a lot of individuals who are queer and understanding that they're queer that their family like, you know, accept them for who they are but the wider like message is that fuck them if they don't. Mm. Like you, you be who you are, and they don't need to be involved at any point in you, like learning about yourself and you know accepting yourself for who you are. Like you've got the people around you who matter the most already, which in this case is the band. Mm-hmm. So yeah, found family. It could work family. either way. Yeah, it could work either way, in my opinion. Um, but I think as I presented, like. As to go back what you said about how like there are certain bits that just didn't feel quite fleshed out, um, like Matthew's like mo- like uh, father being the abuser like expanded into a much wider story where we understand why and not of course to agree with his actions far from it. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, I recently watched a Mararu Penguin Drum episode. Yeah, uh, f- yeah, you know exactly which one I'm referring to. I, I can't look at sculptures drum. ever again. Penguin Drum. Oh my god. Well, actually, to be fair. To be fair, the problem is I'm actually not sure which episode you watch because there's so many moments in that series yeah, where it's like traumatic. Exactly. Do you mean like exactly? The, I'm. Do you mean like the the uh, very explosive episodes? 
I'm thinking of Yuri's father specifically, oh, okay, the, okay. the sculptor. Oh. The one that almost made me throw up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, we haven't... Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's a discussion for a different time. No, yeah. um, but, like, that's a character who... We understand his reasoning for doing what he does, even though what he's doing is absolutely and utterly reprehensible mm-hmm. and vile and awful. Whereas Matthew's father, he is Sir Not Appearing in this film. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if expanded upon him greatly, he could be Sir appearing in this film and Sir appearing meaningfully in this film as well. Yeah, I have I have thoughts on that. I, I think I think you do touch on something very important. But the thing you want to consider also is that by expanding it, you change what the show is trying to accomplish. Be you true. Know, you have to consider when whenever any story, you have to remember what the what's the writer's intention. How do they reach that intention? Do they accomplish that intention? If the intention of Given is to be a fun, uh, you know, a, a enjoyable story about, you know, uh, finding your finding happiness after the loss of someone valuable, uh, finding a family where you might be otherwise alone, you know, then I'm not so sure that the father playing any role, of actually any of their fathers or, pa- or mothers would play any role in that narrative. Because hmm. the, the problem with... Um, and this is especially true with works that are aimed at, you know, a teenage audience. Uh, adults are very hard to write because it takes the story away from the uh, the, the teenage characters. Um, if you look at a lot of a lot, at a lot of um, teenage focused anime or shows that, fo- or even books or movies that focus on teens, the parents play a minimal role unless they directly interfere with the lives of their kids. Hmm. And there's a few exceptions to that. One of the, again. Uh, one, uh, I won't reference Ava again because I can easily reference Ava when talking about terrible Please parents. Um, <laughs> I'll avoid it because that's an easy target. That's an easy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can spend hours talking about uh, even like Oscar's mom, even that. that but um, that that alone's an essay I could probably write for some sites. So I'll avoid uh, wasting that now. <laughs> we can get paid for it later. No, we don't want to um, take. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say we don't want to take food off your plate here. <laughs> exactly. No, a great example I was thinking of actually was uh, was Vanma one half, with uh, Vanma's dad. Vanma's dad only plays a role as it pertains directly to the conflict in Vanma's life, and he is the basic cause of the problems. He starts most of the issues. Uh, you know, he brings him to China to the. Have you guys seen Rama One Half? I realize I'm going off. I, no, no, no. no. So I've I've seen some of it, okay. not by any means all of it, because there's there's a, a lot. lot. Oh, there's a ton. Rumiko Takahashi does not know how to make a short no. story. <laughs> she no. can't. Well, she can actually, but just no one reads them, so they don't make as much mm. money. So she just goes mm. on forever, because um, it's more profitable, I guess. And she's good at it. But um, no. But with Rama One Half, the the parents of all the characters, really, don't play a role unless it's absolutely necessary for that plot that they play a role. And the core uh, issues of um, Given don't really have the parents tie into it. Mostly teenage love, self-identity, finding yourself, finding family and those around you who respect and care for you, recovering from the death of someone valuable. And Hmm. in stories like that, isolation is really important. Um, I think hmm. a great scene, I think a good scene, I won't say great, because it's ripping off another anime, and I'll say in a second, is, I think it's episode five or six, when uh, Mafuyu is, like, walking, Mafuyu is walking around, and he's on the train, and he goes to the beach, and he goes back and forth, and there's a really nice echo later on where he brings, uh, you know, Ritsuka to the beach with him, and I love that echo, hmm. I love that, that, that visual motif where you feel yep. like... And there's actually another echo, too, at the end of the credits, I think in episode, like, nine or so, where he 
flashes back to him with Yuki on the beach. Mm-hmm. It's a really great, mm. like, uh, I want to say, light motif of that beach playing a role of isolation, memories fading in the in the sand, you know, recovery coming back yeah. to that. I like footsteps that. fading and all that. Yeah, yeah footsteps fading in the yeah. sand get washed away. Love that visual. I love that concept. It's really. I don't want to say it's the best scene in the series because I do think the song is a highlight. Um, but um, it definitely is a really good, good idea. I say it's almost mm. a great scene because the build-up to that is like a rip-off of uh, episode four from Evangelion. Right. <laughs> or is episode three, episode <laughs> yes. four, where he's like on the train, he goes around, it's like the train's slowly getting smaller because it shows. But what Ava does differently... Uh, is have cicadas. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that's lacking. <laughs> no, but there's something else, too. There's another, another important factor that Ava does. They show the train fill up and then slowly empty. And he's still mm-hmm. not moving. Everything around him is moving. Life, even the people who are like still on the train, they've shifted somewhat. Whereas with uh, what Given does is just show him alone on the train. They move to the next location, or they'll cut to him alone still. They won't linger. Um, ah. And I feel like the lack of parents adds the sense of isolation. It adds that sense of you're yeah, alone. Yeah. Whereas that scene almost could have done that in a very potent way. But instead takes a little shortcut, which it still gets the point across. It doesn't get it. Just mm-hmm. doesn't get it as well as it could have gotten it, had it made a couple small differences. And I think that's the big issue with Given. I think it's big ideas they work, but it's the smaller details that keep the, those big ideas from really resonating enough as a narrative. I feel like. But again, that's this is my a really good. Um, no, this is a really good point you bring up about um, the the lack of parents sort of serving the story's greater themes, which I think, you know, it can, you, you could definitely sort of make the case that it uses it to take shortcuts. And, mm. you know, a lot of, a lot of anime are guilty of this. A lot um, of stories are guilty of this. <laughs> uh, so yes, mm. no, for sure. But specific, yes, that is true. Um, and I, I think of <laughs> Shadan first really came out with this complaint, or maybe not first, but I remember you, really ranting about this uh, regarding Scum's Wish. Because you're like, where are these kids' families? But, like, it, it they would have just really kind of gummed up the works when it comes to, yeah. like, the plot and getting from A to B. And I sort of don't know a lot of times if, man, if, if that st- is done just to prevent that gumming up of the works or if it's also meant to be some sort of intentional or unintentional commentary about absentee parents in Japan. But, but I think Anthony, you hit it on the head that I'll, most often, um, at least the examples I can think of in anime, um, when you have these kind of parentless kids, uh, it is to serve mm-hmm. like the mood mm-hmm. and the isolation of the teenage protagonist. Also adults mm-hmm. are hard to write. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be blunt about it. <laughs> why do you think the why do you think all the adults on uh, Attack on Titan end up dying or leaving or you know getting eaten somewhere? <laughs> like, uh, just... I, I don't know. I mean, I died of boredom first watching that show, so uh, that's the most overrated. I'll go on record and say this: Attack on <laughs> Titan is the most overrated anime of the last decade, uh, even more so than Sword Art Online, because no one thinks Sword Art Online is good. <laughs> you only really disagree from me Ooh. on that. Uh, I'm anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, we're choking it all around here. Yeah, I mean, and I this is so I haven't really j- just to address. So I haven't seen um, that much Attack on Titan. I've seen 
I've seen the first season mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it, but even still, I agree with you <laughs> because I think the it's praise fun. is quite like, outsized. Like Attack on Titan is a fun series. It's just people take it too seriously. It's it's not berserk. It's not really brilliant fantasy storytelling. It's it's good. It's good storytelling. It's fun enough, but yeah, people often rank it up alongside like Full Metal Alchemist, and I'm like, oh my god, like I've seen. <laughs> There was a um, because I read a lot of these lists because you know it's my job now technically, mm-hmm. and also I look at other, I like to look at other opinions. I like to be I like to be told I'm wrong, so I think it's fun, and I like to argue with them too. It's fun. It's even more fun that way. But so I was reading like um <laughs> like a list on some side. I won't say which one, which ranked uh, Attack on Titan above FMA, uh, the Brotherhood and the 2000s one, uh, above Samurai Champloo. Above Gurren Lagann, which I thought was that, that one personally hurt. Um, yeah. <laughs> above a lot of other ones, I think the only ones that ranked above it were um, oddly enough, Serial Experiments Lane, and I think uh, I want to say Death Note. Which well, that destroys my theory, which I thought that the list was a a recency bias thing, but no, that's not the case. <laughs> no, no, and I don't even think Ava was on the list. Now I think about it, in hindsight. Uh, uh, that, I mean, did I mention Bebop? I think that was on the list too, but I forget where it was. Oh I my think, god, really? I think it was on the list. I think Bebop was lower than I wanted to be. I think Trigun actually outranked it there, but again, I don't remember what site oh. it was for. I couldn't even think uh, of it. <laughs> all, all I'll say about Attack on Titan um, is that I think it's great if you just completely turn off all of the dialogue. If it's like a silent movie, it's infinitely better as a result. Well, not silent, I like that music. <laughs> No, oh no, the music's great, but just it's don't amazing. let any of the characters actually say a damn word, and it's so much better for it. I just, um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, no, back to Given. Um, to come back, to, yeah, to come back to Given. There is another thing that I would like to discuss with you, Anthony, mm-hmm. which relates to episode eight and its uh, big problem, mm-hmm. um, which is Hiragi speaking to us, as in the audience, mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness and explaining more, uh, or rather, the backstory of. Um, Yuki and Matthew's relationship and what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned you hadn't listened to our opinion because you wanted to hear it like go into this fresh without preconceived notions, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I will recount my reaction to it, which I was basically... <laughs> I was... I was mad. I was very, very angry at that. And I was annoyed at it for a couple of reasons. The first of which is that He's telling it to us specifically, the audience, breaking the fourth wall, mm-hmm. so like with that inner monologue. Mm-hmm. But Hiragi is not a fully fleshed out character, nor is he even like in the main like group. Mm. Like he's not the main four. I think so. I yeah. couldn't fathom for the life of me what purpose that served. Um, and this is moving away from LGBTQ plus stuff to more mm-hmm. towards talking about suicide because we've oh, myself yeah. and Doc we've covered Orange previously, which in my opinion handles it better. Which is not say given necessarily handles it badly but mm-hmm. I, i'm also of the opinion as we said before why can't they just hook up because why not uh anyway <clears throat> i thought i did they kind of did for a minute handle it badly and by the end oh, of episode did, yeah. eight i was i we were both pretty upset mm. <laughs> well that, the thing is like our our discussion of that podcast i remember gradually got more and more like fevered as it went on mm-hmm. like you, i yeah. started getting more sorry, sorry. i started getting more and more sarcastic and that's usually a sign of when I'm starting to feel some real venom. Oh. When I start, like, you know, making insults and stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, like, for me, like, Hiragi's discussion uh, to us, like, his, like, confession, if you will, uh, would have been better served if he was delivering it to Ueniyama. 
because Ueniyama starting with Kasai and like her revelation that you know you, uh, Matthew was dating a guy who died mm-hmm. uh, that to me felt like it would have been a natural building block towards him then you know talking with Matthew more about it like you've got a sense of progression you go from I don't even know this person's name to I know this person's name and I know some of what happened from the limited perspective of a person in that in-group to I'm now actually talking and getting a better understanding from the person who was closest to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your feeling on that scene where he um, where he discusses, where he confesses that to us? Hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. That scene didn't leave much of an impression on me either way. I didn't really... I'm trying to think exactly how it... I didn't think too much of it, honestly. Because I don't mind it when, you, when the character breaks the fourth wall too much. I think it's sloppy, but I don't find it too infuriating. My problem is more your Shadan's issue is more like, you know, why is the fourth wall breaker this sort of tertiary character who's basically in the show only to do this? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I feel like it could have been another he he, he could have found out or we, we the audience could have found out the information that he divulges to us in a number of different ways that wouldn't mm-hmm. have, like, I don't know, and that's the only time we really kind of get his perspective, like yeah, the thoughts inside a, his head. He's not a character who's really well-established, and I can I can see from a writing standpoint why you'd want to say, hey, this character has feelings. How, how, do, we, how do we get this across on the screen? Yeah. What do you do? You know, and I do think it would, I don't disagree with you. I think it would, they would be better served in a chat, offhand comment maybe, Maybe a conversation hmm. with another character, any character. Um, hmm. But if I said, but if I said the idea of a tertiary character having a monologue like that, where he divulges his personality and stuff like that, is bad writing, I would be really hypocritical because um, a lot of great writers have done that. Um, hmm. I guess the best example of that, I think, uh, a good example of this would be someone like say. Uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. I'm sorry. Mm. I couldn't resist that one. He's full of... <laughs> oh, you're making me remember when I studied Henry V now. And I'm like, oh, here's this. Here's Henry doing all this stuff. But what's Pistol up to? Getting pissed yeah. up in like some pub somewhere and bitching about the French and all that. Like, Yeah, my, my, you, you're right. The you're one right. I think of a lot is, um, you know, the, the one of the earliest scenes in King Lear where, um, you know, like, oh, here's my one son. He's good. Here's my other son. He's a bastard, but I kept him anyway. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, thank you for that expository statement. It's like, I, I loved his mother quite a lot, but, um, you know, I loved her so much, I got this baby out of him. You know, you know, you, you, you have to see, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, it's a classic technique. It's when a writer doesn't know how to relay information naturally in the screenplay. Or um, I, the limits I'm, of, I'm just most, or the limits of the... I'm yeah, just most know, surprised that... Uh, Shakespeare came up with the pilot episode for something like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what that feels like. Oh my god. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, but like... Oh, no, so that, so that, scene doesn't, anyway. that scene doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I think it... I can think of a dozen other ways I would have done it differently. But I also feel like this is a problem with the show's pacing. And I mm. think... I, I think this will transition to me talking about my biggest issue with the series. Um, sure. Which is pacing, uh, because I don't have too many thoughts on that one scene. I think it could, could be done differently. I think it was done sloppily, but didn't. Ultimately, for me, it's minor because it's a victim of a bigger problem for me, and that is, the show is, um, 
awkwardly paced. So, I, I actually, I, I, as you as you guys know, I binge-watched the whole series, you know, from start to finish. And I think mm. I liked it more as a result of that because it felt to me like a three-act structure, structure for a film. And it applies very mm. well to that, except for one thing. Now, if you're not familiar, and if your listeners aren't familiar... The three-act structure is typically defined as the beginning, middle, and end of a story. There's a really great book called Save the Cat, I forget the author, that created what's called a beat sheet that a lot of films to this day still use, where they go, okay, mm-hmm. so on page five, you have to have your character introduced. Uh, by page 11, the first conflict's going to happen. By, you know, And they go by page, by page, by page. And the idea is that with a properly paced story your story will relay information at a consistent pace so your audience is never bored. Blake Snyder is the mm. author of that, by the way. Oh, Blake Snyder? Okay, perfect. There we go. I have it somewhere in my house. I just... I, <laughs> yeah, I had it. to check my Audible. <laughs> there you go. It's a great book. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so useful for writing, and it's so useful for studying studying writing as well. Um, had he looked at the screenplay for Given, he would have said the emotional climax happened three episodes to the end. <laughs> And that you could have spaced it out better, and that there's not enough new material in the middle. It's kind of like a saggy middle. There's no uh, the turning point in the story happens in episode five. Uh, at the end of episode mm. five, when you learn that um, uh, Mafuyu Yuki killed himself, that is mm. the turning point of the story. Um, and from there, it can only you you begin going downhill towards the the climax. That's the problem with the screenplay. They revealed. Uh, the tragic backstory way too soon it had nothing really to follow it up on. The story really does shift to be about trauma after that point, and there's never any moment where they really introduce a new concept other than the parental abuse aspect or developing more into that trauma. And I think mm. the problem is they, they played their big card too early. I think that's what the issue is, because at the end, you're like, we have all this extra space to fill. The emotional climax is already here. They've already become a band. They've already, you know, overcome the big conflict. Will he play or will he not play? And it stops being about, you know, if they had maybe saved it to episode seven and spent the earlier episodes developing Mafuyu as a character more, showing his likes and interests, the more small moments, all of that would have been more resonant, I think. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm with not you here. Yeah, I'm not like an absolute authority on this. Go for it. Oh no no no! And I think, um, I I think uh, Snyder's book is quite useful mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, like a like a Hollywood movie, right? Mm-hmm. And and how to write a good movie uh, that will get butts and seats, so to speak. Oh yeah. Um, I think when it comes to serialized fiction, be it comics or uh, TV, I think the rules like are a little bit uh, looser. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, uh, that writers uh, can get away with going outside that rigid structure in different ways and it still be successful to me. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a very sort of personal take, but um, I I quite enjoy, you know, Shadon talked about, um, oh, not a race, a Violet Evergarden. I think mm-hmm. this sort of happened in Yuri on Ice also in a way. That, oh, like, Yuri on Ice has some pacing issues too. <laughs> yeah, that like, um, pacing issues. Yeah, that, that the big kind of emotional release 
the climax, the the audience catharsis, like occurs about like two thirds away through the story, and in given, unlike Yuri on Ice, like the the remaining episodes are there as almost like self care episodes for the audience, mm-hmm. um, and mm. I think I think the show sort of under or in the manga, I guess, sort of understands that um, at least its audience enjoys. Uh, the kind of the puffier, mm-hmm. uh, lighter stuff that you get more of in the final two episodes with some character moments, of course, and some stuff of significance, but mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. mainly feel good. And mm-hmm. and I think uh, I- I'm okay with that. It, 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 it may contribute to the sort of nicheification of works like this, but mm-hmm. um, but in a serial format, I think I'm okay with that that kind of structure. Now, I I said earlier that I thought the show was a little too long, and I stand by that. Still, there there are some moments in the middle where um where things felt kind of slow. Mm. But as far as like what uh, when the peak happens and what happens after the peak, I'm largely okay with it. Mm. For me, the last three episodes are solid. For given, I think they're pretty really good, and I think what they do so well. And I'm going to explain why this... I'm going to match this up with what I just said previously. I think what they do really well is they show the whole found family aspect of it. That's what the show seems to be trying to accomplish. Found family, uh, recovering from loss. I think the problem for me isn't the ending. It's the middle. But I do feel it goes on Mm. too long, so it does solve the primary conflict too early. So pacing-wise, what I would say... And here's why I brought up Save the Cat more than... You know, because I do agree with you. Um, even with Hollywood, uh, that form, that structure it should not be followed as a rule. It should be followed as guidelines, right. I feel like. It should mm. be followed as a, as a general idea. If you follow anything too strictly, you're going to start stepping on your own feet, I think. Mm. Um, but what it does so well is say, okay, new information here. There should be a turning point at some point. Maybe a few turning points, even. Um, my big issue really is this. The conflict of the found family is resolved separately from the conflict of the band in a way where it's too mm. distant. Mm. I feel like, imagine what would ha- how would it be like, and I'm going to use Yuri and Ice as a comparison because even though the middle of that series does have problems, I think it introduces way too many characters uh, once you get to the tournament arc, essentially, of the show. I think it does really well. What does really well is it combines the external conflict of the sports with the internal conflict of the relationship. And I feel like, mm. given almost did this it was so close to doing one key thing and the big thing for me is this when they get into their fight right before the concert and the string breaks and it ends the episode and then you get to the next episode and that argument kind of is resolved off screen because of the wait did the episode end i forget that ended that no you're right you're yeah, right okay. uh, yeah, episode yeah, eight no, once i said that that way yeah because i watched them all at once and have time to really <laughs> so i once i said that i'm like wait am i wrong Okay, so after episode you know, he breaks the string, next episode, that tension doesn't carry over so much into episode nine, really, as well as they could have. Mm-hmm. It focuses more on the external problems. But the internal conflict is resolved off screen and then is kind of feeds into uh, episodes 10 and 11. And I do feel they're really good aftercare episodes. I think they're really good, but I feel like those two problems should have been resolved as one as opposed to separately because that's really interesting yeah, yeah no that's a very good point there yeah and you look at like again using your and comparison it has a very similar 
uh, element, but at the very end of the series, the last two episodes. The episode, I think, 11? Is it 12 episodes? I think, yeah, 12 episodes. Episode 11 ends with uh, Yuri... Spoilers for a show Oof. everyone has seen, hopefully, yes. at this point. <laughs> um, you know, Go watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. I love it. Um, has problems, but I love it. Um, end of episode uh, 11, uh, Yuri decides to break it off with Victor, which then feeds into the conflict... You know, there's a whole. It's not resolved off screen. You know, it's it, he's he's crying. It's sad. And you can tell where both characters are coming from. You can see that it's the internal conflict between a character who sees himself as worthless and is doing thinks he's doing the other guy a favor by breaking it off, and the other guy who sees him as as the world to him and can't understand why he's being hurt. And that feeds in with the whole conflict that's been going throughout the entire series up until that point. And Matt paired up with the greater conflict of the tournament and you know the ice skating and everything, and the show manages to resolve all these conflicts in the last four four minutes of the episode. It does mm. it all at the same time. And that's very hard. It's not easy to do that. Mm. It is, it's, it's not easy. It is tough. It's easier to break it down and make it simpler, to digest one problem, then move on to the next. But I feel given... It's, it's created by a real powerhouse. She's able to do that. Oh, yeah. she well, She's brilliant as a writer. Oh my god, Michiko and Hyde, you know, no, so, yes. um, I'm, I'm gonna stop babbling about, yeah, okay, um, the point is that the series given would have been better suited, I think, if it paced the issues leading to its finale better so that everything intersects at that big concert. I feel like mm. a lot of episode 12 and 11 could have happened before the concert, in theory, and still worked. Mm. Yeah, like for example, bringing forward Haruki's, you know, no public performance thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly. that to me like feels like the setup of a really, as you as we discussed before, a really really interesting plot thread that has a lot of things to say about queer relationships mm-hmm. and also um, band dynamics. I mean, the band stuff alone, like the idol stuff, like you know the oh we've got to present a clean cut image for all the girls out there mm-hmm. who are like you, yeah, that alone. It could be really fascinating and then you've got it blended together with the queer element and then that's like you know a diet like a, a analogous to each other like they blend like they blend really i could see that being incredible and that's what i hope uh the movie delivers on and that's also why i personally didn't have the same like erased or violent evergarden complaint to the same degree because it promised a new like to follow through on as opposed to here's some nice little episodes they're good on their own but they don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things exactly um, it continues the story continues so how do you f- yes how do you feel about um given's movie going head-to-head with uh the yuri and ice movie in 2020 oh my god oh! Is that- <laughs> yeah that's uh man Swit is gonna be well, it's already is a dumpster fire, but it's oh, going to yeah. be something different around that day. And Holy it, shit! Yeah, that that got delayed. It was supposed to come out like this month or next month, something like that, initially. But then they were like, "Yeah, so we're going to make it bigger than we expected. So we're going to delay the Yuri and Ice film again." Sorry, wow. I'm like, I mean, it kind of works out now. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. It, I, I guess you, I guess you could say it was put on the back burner. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll go with that. You, were, you wanted to say Ice, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. What are you talking about? I'm not buying that for a second. Um, so yeah, all right. 
um, we're going to move on from that because that was all really interesting, by the way, Anthony. So thank you very much for offering your thoughts on that. Oh, it was yeah. all great. No, thank you. Um, the one thing that we want to ask you as well, um, in particular, to move oh, away wait, from uh, those. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go on. Can I? I apologize for cutting in, but I, knowing the topic you're about to introduce, um, and I think that deserves like the me clearing out of the runway. But like, uh, I wanted to bring up just a couple things before we go to that, and then patron stuff. Um, cause I feel like we have been, uh, if not negative, very critical up to this point, right? Um, which is all well and good and fine, mm-hmm. but I wanted to take a moment to appreciate, uh, some of the, the kind of more overarching things about the show that I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. one of, one of those being the tone of the show, um, I thought that the tone actually sort of matches up really well with uh, Mishiru's soundtrack. I thought that was sort mm-hmm. of a, a, a nice expression of the tone that the show was going for. Very warm, very welcoming, um, relaxing in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, d- despite the kind of you know heavy subject matter and, and conflicts, I think overall that tone... Uh, is pretty constant, and that's the the kind of thing that, um, for me as an anime viewer, will stick with me more so than kind of uh, the way that the show uh, uh, appealed to me intellectually or mm-hmm. kind of structural things, like the, the kind of the way it touched me emotionally with uh, things like the tone or its high points is probably the thing I'm going to like take away from it mm-hmm. and kind of recall years down the road, and and it was very positive thing and like in the, in the tone i was worried that like the first episode um especially kind of how mafia was behaving i was i was very worried that everything would end up feeling quite artificial mm. um but to me um to me it really it didn't from where i sit and d- despite the fact that like you were saying anthony that um tropes are employed Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're deployed um skillfully i oh, think yeah. by and large but nonetheless tropes are deployed mm-hmm. um it's still managed to not feel um kind of generated in a laboratory it, it felt mm-hmm. like th- things felt organic and i think that like the things that you were saying about the the beach uh and the kind of sense of place that mm-hmm. uh the show has combined with uh the those the tone that i was talking about kind of uh help uh help it feel uh help it oh, ring yeah. more true than than Sorry. feel kind <laughs> of uh no you're good no i, the, I, I didn't burped i feel bad about that. oh <laughs> it's okay <laughs> we can i had, I had like post. all the teeth before so it's okay sorry as you were so sorry <laughs> no worries um hmm the uh the other thing um or should i should i i'm sorry did you want to comment on that before i change topic uh, no um no um i was going to bring up something very quickly myself that i'm not going to elaborate on too much because it's only a small thing mm-hmm. um but this is one of the things i really liked about the show in general that i never really touched upon apart from just mentioning it moment by moment which is the dialogue between the characters to me was really mm. really solid yeah, it felt authentic to people of that age where 
they don't speak like robots. They don't speak like aliens. They're not lifeless either. They do have personalities that reflect in how they talk and the comments and the quips and the jokes they make. Like the fun stuff with Matthew, like, you know, post, um, post-performance, like saying, take my hand, it's dangerous. Or, you know, Ugetsu talking to Akiko is saying, coffee. And he's like, I'm not coffee. Hmm. What are you talking about? I'm not coffee. Right. Yeah. Now, but on the the thing I like about that though is that it strikes a nice balance because it gives them life and it gives them quips and jokes when it's appropriate. But they don't turn into Quentin Tarantino characters where oh, God, everything no. they say, Jaws Whedon where, character. Yeah, mm. where everything they say is a quippy line or like you know where everyone's just too smart for their own good. And don't get me wrong, I like those characters in those settings. I mean, I think I love Pulp Fiction, for example. I love Reservoir Dogs. Mm. But they have a very specific tone and style about them. So they had the needle right where it needed to be in the sweet spot for the authenticity and the humour of the dialogue that also informs us of their personalities and reinforces what we know about them. So I just wanted to note that Mm -hmm. because it's not a thing, as I say, that each individual episode feels like it needs to be highlighted in reams and reams of detail. But if you've listened to our podcast on given up until this point, you'll probably note how many times I've commented on like individual moments like the coffee one, for example, and bring them all together. It really is noble how good the dialogue is in this show. Oh yeah, no, I, uh, no, I'll tell you this right now. I loved, uh, this is one of those shows where like, I love all the minor characters so much. I really do. I, I know I was critical of it before, um, a lot, but I, I think one thing it has that's really good is, I really love how the characters were. Hang on, you guys, you guys are here, right? Not... Yes, no. Yeah, totally. Oh, I was always, like totally yep. oh, silent. Yeah. I was like, wait, did I, did I lose, did I lose the, the call? For <laughs> it was really bad. My spirit just left my body for a second, yeah. but I've reeled it back in. Right, right. No, I'm kidding, back I'm in, I was like, oh my god, no. No, but I mean, here's the thing. I, I was, I think you have to be critical of things you respect. And I respect oh, no question. No, that, oh, and yes, I, uh, yes. No, no, that and, preface was not me dragging you or anything that we've said. No, uh, no, it no. was just more of a segue. No, I realize, realize, and I think it's important. I, but I think also it's important for anyone listening to know that, you know, I'm being critical of it, but I'm being critical because it's worthy of criticism. You know what I mean? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, if a, if, very good way to put it. Like, I don't criticize it sort of online extensively because it's not worth that time it's like kicking a like a bag of trash around the room i thought you were about to say a cannon and i was almost going to wince no i'm not gonna kick i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not i'm not teasing feline violence uh here today. oh i can can a can of soda oh i think it's a cat yeah because because that uh that has painful memories for me oh. <laughs> when you're talking about not wasting your time criticizing something this is what Shadon loves to do, is criticize things not worthy of his time. No, that was me when I was younger. I get so upset over, like, whatever the thing was. I think Twilight for years was like, oh, it's so terrible. Uh, girl. And then you look back and you're like, was it, was it worth that? Was it worth that much passion? Probably not. <laughs> and yeah, also, not I really. love the, um, the, you know, the bandmates. I love those characters. Like, especially, yeah. you know, I, I, every time we went back to that coffee shop and he's like tying his hair back and pouring coffee or just you know whatever we were with just uh, i love um you know him the little detail of him trimming his hair by the sink you know just making sure the ends don't get i love those those are the parts i love i wish my biggest complaint is i wish we had more moments like that yeah throughout those tiny moments Mm. really bring the characters to life and one thing 
uh, I'm sure you guys mentioned this on on the individual episodes, but I haven't mentioned it, so I will. <laughs> I adore the ending theme. I adore that ending sequence. I think it's mm-hmm. so like a, such sweet dream fuel, and I love the you know the visual. Like I love the I love simple ending themes to anime. I feel they're always like overlooked, but a real simple melodic one like that really helps leave you with. Um, a note that's memorable. Note that you walk away feeling what they want you to feel in a way that's effective. Hmm, if that completely. makes any sense. If that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah. I feel like I mungled that point up a little nope, bit. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I, I get where you're no, coming from, for sure. Um, that's all good. And um, Doc, you had another topic you wanted to bring up, didn't you? Yeah, just very briefly. And mainly because I, I feel like there are people that will listen to this podcast that won't um, have listened to our episodic analysis. So I'll just briefly state here and know that I talked about it in depth in other places, but that a thing that I really liked about the show, especially being married to an artist, mm. is like the fact that um, it says without outright saying it, I feel uh, that art has kind of these, um, like the purpose of it is multifaceted. It doesn't just come out and say, here is why art, uh, right? It, it, uh, shows that like art, you know, pe- people make art to for for all kinds of valid and good reasons, and it serves both uh, the artist and the appreciator in all kinds of different ways. Like you can make it because you want to experience the feeling of creating something. You know, you can make it uh, as a form of bloodletting. Uh, mm-hmm. You can you can make it uh, as an attempt to communicate something that is. Uh, by spoken direct word incommunicable but for whatever reason a piece of visual or oral art will uh, make uh, will allow the message to better find its way into people's minds and hearts and I think the show does a really nice kind of simple clean job of illustrating those points uh, and showing them rather than sort of waxing philosophical about them and I I liked that Mm. No, I, I agree. Definitely. That's a that's a big thing. I that I um I don't have the connection to art as much, but writing, yeah, it's no, yeah. I, I think that we laid that beautifully. I I have nothing to add to what you just said. <laughs> I just wanted to agree with it. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so um, Ansi, we want to now just move on to <clears throat> uh the other thing that we w- we want to discuss with you, which is mm-hmm. given as a queer uh and or LGBTQ plus work. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm referring specifically to the scene that really impressed me in this show with Akiko and Iwe Niyama. Um, mm-hmm. Because to me, it felt like it was exactly what he needed. And in turn, what I think a lot of um, people who are discovering that they are on, uh, they are LGBTQ plus at that age that he is, would want here as well. And having which, a piece of media... Which scene, oh, sorry, specific, which scene specifically are you referring to, just so I know exactly what I'm... Um, it's the one where Akiko and Ueniyama are talking in episode 7, uh, near the vending machines, mm. in which um, Akiko like outright says, like, you've had your dirty mitts on him, like, as a joke. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. That's the... Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then he sort of care- kind of goes on to actually, like... I mean that that's that joke is a kind of opener for a, a more empathetic conversation on his part, right? Where he says, like, you know, I've liked guys or I've been with guys, and um, 
you know, I, uh, and that's cool. That sort of thing where he's, he offers like an understanding shoulder to Uenoyama. Am I right, Shadon? Is that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's correct. Mm. Um, so do you feel like, I mean, my, I personally have not got as nowhere near as much experience with anime in general as say Doc has, Never mind uh, anime that has queer themes in it. Um, do you feel like that that scene and given in general is a positive force for LGBTQ plus narratives and anime and that it would be, it's a good thing for people to have more narratives like that out there and um, for people who are coming to terms with their own sexuality? Mm. Um, I do. I do. I think in general, it's a very positive force, but there are problems uh, from that perspective, through that lens. Mm. I think it's Go an on. imperfect portrayal but i think it's a good one i don't think it's uh because you know if you if you go dig into like and this actually kind of got into when i was researching the uh the anime feminist article that you guys referenced before um i went through a lot of older 90s manga for comparisons or you know in 2000s 90s manga and anime uh there's a lot of um toxicity surrounding that where people are they treat the relationship as either lesser or immoral in some way like a taboo that needs to be Hmm. culturally crossed and i think that particular line teases realistically the tension between how we perceive the validity of a same-sex relationship versus the validity of an opposite sex one and i think it's very important i think it's very good i think it's very good to address that however Let's say someone is questioning themselves. Let's say someone is going to that for the first time in their lives, you know, trying to find the words to articulate it, unsure how to say it. It could be very troubling if the were if the phrase "dirty mitts" are used as a point of comparison. If it's used as like you know a, an ensnarement, because that's very uh, common in a lot of uh, homophobic rhetoric that you are ensnaring or snatching or stealing someone away from the righteous path you know so so to speak mm-hmm. so i can see that being problematic i'm not saying it's bad because it's not it, it's a fairly neutral fairly lighthearted like you said fairly lighthearted it's not anything super negative and i also said before you want to incorporate tropes you want to incorporate uh cliches that are used in um, more mainstream fiction, straight fiction. Uh, you see that stuff like get your mitts out of my man all the time in like rom-coms where the two girls are fighting over, you know, or the two guys are fighting over the girl or whatever. You see it all the time, so it only makes sense it's going to be used elsewhere. Um, but I can see if it's someone who is in a less secure spot, I can mm. see that being problematic. I can see it upsetting them a little bit in a way that's... Uh, yeah. I can see that element I, of it. I don't think I reacted that way at all. I didn't. Mm. For me, it was like, uh uh-huh, that's kind of, now they're going to find out now he's, uh, the band is going to be a little uh, <laughs> complicated there. But um, <laughs> but I, I can definitely see someone reacting in a way that is, um, on the whole, less positively. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it's all about perception. I understand. I can, yeah. yeah. Do I think so? I think it was fine. I think it was good enough. I think it can, but I can see the, I can see the, uh, the fault line through which yeah. someone might get uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I think from what you said there, you've made a very good point that's given me more understanding. Because I think that if you take this show in a vacuum and these characters in a vacuum, I think that that kind of joke and then leading on to the discussion they had where 
Ueniyama says, you know, is there anything wrong with me? And Akiko is like, no, of course not, which is all, that's all fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think that that joke and that as an icebreaker towards Ueniyama was what he personally needed at that time mm-hmm. to try and get him to react, to try and get him to open up. Exactly. But you are entirely correct, Anthony, in saying that that's not the approach that should be taken with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um you could have, for example, two people who are of equivalent ages to both Ueniyama and Akiko in real life or in fiction or wherever, where they are radically different people, though. Oh, yeah. One's still serving as a mentor role, one not. Uh, and they need to be, it needs to be different. You need to be handled differently. So that kind of approach, I think that what Gibbon is saying is that it, in this instance, it's what was needed and we shouldn't shy away from like you know having those conversations but it's how we conduct them that is very crucial yeah and not just that i feel because on one hand internally oh it's the best thing for him he needs to express himself his whole arc is finding a voice for himself to express these feelings all contained in that skinny little body as he put it in the show <laughs> i love that line is that people that sadness in that body i love it but um but no, I think um, with most things, it's it's hard to account for everyone's experience in uh, hmm. when writing something so sensitive. In fact, I think it's sometimes better not to take every account into consideration hmm. because you're going to write something that will resonate with some people and upset other people. It's inevitable. No matter what you do, you're going to hurt someone when you write a story that's at all about anything. You know, yeah. it's, it's you, impossible you to... Too. You blend too many things together to try and please everyone, and it just loses all its flavor. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. It, it's, that's fair. It, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's that's right. Uh, so, okay, that's cool. Um, I like. I mean, I as a cisset guy, like you know, I'm obviously not fully equipped to comment on this kind of stuff, but that is mm-hmm. a very good perspective you provide there. I say thank you very much for offering that to us. That yeah. Can for I ask us, a follow up? Oh, sorry, going. Yes. No, sure. I just wanted to ask a follow up that if you thought. Um, like in a more broad sense that mm-hmm. um, the the romance between the two leads, um, if it felt uh, as kind of genuine or, or kind of organically uh, developing to you as it did to me, like, or did mm. it, or, or did it feel kind of um, forced or like some sort of spreadsheet slash checklist situation? <laughs> this is interesting because I feel like the relationship between Akiko, Akiko? Yes, and Haruki. Yeah, Akihiko, right? Yeah. Akihiko and, Har- and Haruki uh, resonates far better for me than the one with, mm. uh, you know, the main one. Mm-hmm. I think the problem mm. is, uh, the problem I have with uh, Mafuyu as a character, Mafuyu as a character, is um, I think he develops too slowly. I think that's my problem. I think I mm. totally get uh, Yuneyama's... Yuna- attraction to him I, I i see that immediately i think that's the strongest part of that relationship i feel everything from his perspective and i love the um okay i didn't even mention this before but i love episode 12 when it opens up and they have like the cosmic explosion with like <laughs> i love that oh my god the, the 2001 space odyssey overture playing yeah, in the I background <laughs> that's so perfect it's so amazing it's mutual <laughs> yeah, that I think is w- another w- scene that I think is... Am- that's one of the reasons why the last few episodes are so good. It's that scene like, just takes you into like high gear. I think that aspect of the relationship works. I feel when you know, he hears all his, his ex, you know, he died, he killed himself, and he has no idea how to connect the dots with that. 
Like, how do you react to hearing that? Like, you don't know what to do, so he just kind of doesn't say anything. And I think that yep. is really good. I think that's really effective. I think Mafio's character problems hold him back from that aspect. I feel like his character doesn't really get into... He starts off at a point, stalls, and then in the last third comes into his own more, I think. I really think for, for all the problems that Episode Eight did present, it was critical in pushing his character forward. And I feel after that, hmm. I got the, I was invested in the romance at that point, their particular romance. I feel before hmm. that, it was a little... Uh, my, my big issue... But this is less an issue with... I'm trying to divorce the um, my issue with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope in general with his character arc, but it's hard to do so because sorry, it's hard to do so because with um, early on that's his main role to develop uh, Ritsuka, to develop Unayama. I can't pronounce names today. Wow, I am. It is one. <laughs> Ritsuka, of the, Ritsuka's fine. Yeah, we know. Ritsuka. You know, I can't. His um. His character. He serves more as a tertiary development stool for Ritska to step on. Hmm. Ah, and I see what you mean. Yeah, he, he's... So... Yeah, yeah. That's my big issue at first, until Mafuyu's character arc starts kicking in. Then it becomes more balanced. But until then, the power dynamic is so out of balance, it felt really off to me from a personal standpoint, but I also see structurally why it was done that way. Because, mm. yeah, you've got the... Uh, it feels more like... If you were, if you were to ratio it, mm-hmm. like, it's not quite... The ideal thing would be to have 50-50, mm-hmm. but it's more much more tilted in any arm's favor, in t- at least early on, in terms of who gets the lion's share of development, and that, that ironically comes from Matthew's own presence rather than Matthew getting some back mm-hmm. like it's give and take yeah so yeah no i i, I totally get what you mean and use a more um, positive example of how this has been done well before i'm going to reference yuri and ice again uh because yeah. victor and yuri and ice has no development until until really episode 10 really i mean he has some development he has some development throughout like i think the, he has like bits and pieces of development that don't seem to add up until you get the clarity of the big twist in episode 10 and then you go back and you're like oh He's been developing this entire time. I just didn't know it because there was a piece missing from the story. And then every little character moment up until that point becomes a hugely insightful aspect to his character. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying you need to have a big twist like that in this story, but it does uh, help. If you have the element of... Um, these elements of the character don't make sense. I don't see why this is happening. Why is, why is he here? What does he want? And then you get that, oh. And then everything from that point onward is in a different light. Hmm. Which I think is really important. Yeah. And that's my big issue with the romance. I don't think they had that that big, oh, everything's in perspective now, moment. And this is in a lot of anime. A lot of stories do that, where uh, an element of the character will just be totally seen in a different light once one piece is put in, plugged, into, plugged into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one character, and funny enough, we're going to bring this up again because I've been watching it recently, and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Ringo from Moaro Penguin Drum. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. All all of her actions, like you you watch it, and you're like, what on earth is she doing? And then 
<laughs> once like you know the underlying narrative becomes clear everything makes sense doesn't make it agreeable of course but you understand yeah no. and it's just like oh my god and God, I need to talk about Penguin Drum someday, but I'm no, I would, no, I've I'll got be to stay on I'll be down for that. I've got to stay on topic. I've got to stay on topic. Yeah, no, uh, I, I love. <laughs> anyway, my favorites. And even with the three, oh, yeah, I don't think you've gotten that point yet. But the, 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 the three main characters, the three uh, siblings. Once you realize their story, it becomes like the whole show becomes a whole different beast entirely. Like it's hard hmm. to watch. It's one of those shows where you watch it a second time, and it's a totally different show than the first time. I think better. For knowing what you know and I feel like what if you're gonna have a character who is appears less developed at first you have to make sure that those early scenes can be read through a different light on a, on a rewatch yep I think that's my big my the, big issue with it that's my big the takeaway. the Bioware twist the Darth Revan uh, reveal yeah as it were. honestly yeah <laughs> it's a good comparison I think yeah you gotta have oh, that oh man that, that, that that stuff still gives me shakes, by the way, thinking about how I played that entire game for the first time. I was like, holy shit! Okay, you're going to hate me for this. That uh, that was spoiled for me. When I played uh, Old Republic. Uh, oh, no! I was like, I, I had just gotten the game, and I think it was the... Uh, I, I must have... I was at Best Buy. I must have been an overly enthusiastic um, employer or person shopping. Because I hear them mention it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's cool. And it, and I never knew it was supposed to be a twist until I started playing. I'm like, wait a second, they haven't revealed that thing the oh, guy told me about. Oh, <laughs> Anthony, I'm so sorry, man. It was like a oh, they spoiled it in a way where I didn't even know it was a spoiler until I was like, oh, oh, oh shit, <laughs> uh, covert spoilers. Right. Oh. Unfortunate. Um, all right. But anyway, thank you very much for your thoughts on that. That's really pre- like I'm very glad that we we have this extra perspective now because one thing we don't want to do on this particular podcast mm. is. Like, we don't want to treat um, queer, like, stories or queer elements or conio, etc. as something that we will never understand. We can't touch this. We we will never know the, the true <laughs> mysteries and blah, 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 all that bollocks. No, no, in general. Uh, but si- yeah, no, I mean, but yeah, similarly, sorry, we... Cut you off there, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, that's, that's okay. Um, but similarly, we don't want to overstep our bounds and make ourselves sound more authoritative than we can actually be. We want mm. to find that sweet spot. And similarly, we also want to make sure we have perspectives from people apart from ourselves, to offer, like, you know, more insight. Like, so we can get a more holistic picture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I mean, um, they're, they're just stories, ultimately. They're all, you know, they're drawing from human experience, ultimately. And everyone, if a story uh, can only be read by a specific audience and can't be appreciated outside of the audience, I think that story needs a little more work, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I don't think you should be worried about ever covering topics like that, from my perspective. No. No, certainly. And I'll, I'll just, I mean, you yourself said that you, you've not yet listened to our Lace podcast, so I'm just going to recount something from, again, that I think is really important, mm-hmm. which is that when I was watching Haruki, um, like, have his smoke break, so mm. to speak, uh, when he's talking about his feelings for Akiko and how he's just content with this situation he finds himself in, mm-hmm. like, even though I, as a cisset man, like, you know, don't share that commonality of, of attributes with Haruki, mm-hmm. I still immediately understand. Hell, I don't even smoke. Mm-hmm. But as I said to Doc, I've had many smoke breaks in my time of thinking about, like, the feelings I have for someone that are unrequited and coming to a kind of peace with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, as you say, like, there, where that experience, like, the story appeals to many groups. Uh, mm-hmm. It certainly, as you say, should have its focus on who it should appeal to. I mean, 
one thing we've not really talked about, but is I've certainly seen present is of course there's a lot of camera angles and the way things are drawn and designed for the boil of elements like you know close-ups of people's faces the hairs that you mentioned like moves Kunis hair for example mm-hmm. he goes back all... oh. yes <laughs> yes all of that stuff all of that stuff is present and it's i'm not saying that's a bad thing that's exactly what the show is made for yeah but yeah. that doesn't mean there isn't something here for everyone um and i certainly appreciate that scene along with all the other stuff immensely for it mm-hmm. no, okay yeah. I, I, so I agree. Yeah. we've sorry <laughs> we've it's all good. Uh, so, okay, we've kind of covered everything we really wanted to cover in a kind of mishmash here, but that's all good, though. Like, that's the way sometimes these conversations go, yeah. and that's all, all for the better, in my opinion, rather than, you know, trying to turn it into a TED Talk or some shit like that. Oh, you mean so, you guys um, like your you know, like your podcasts being in, like, chaptered, organized uh, <laughs> Well, the secret podcast that no one knows about, definitely, but that's a discussion for another time. Oh, I see how it is. I see how it is. <laughs> I'm, cheating on you, I, I'm cheating on you, Doc. <laughs> oh, sad, sad face. Dot JPEG. Oh um, man. Did, did we want to talk about favorite scenes, or do you think we uh, have touched on that? I, I think we've covered that. I mean, uh, Anthony, you mentioned Haruki's hair and such like mm-hmm. that. Um, I love, and Dan uh, also just being conscious of time as well. Oh no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was eyeing that too. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I think we, I think I covered the big ones that I like. Uh, I will say one thing that I think we haven't mentioned mm-hmm. yet. Uh, that dog. <laughs> oh. oh, that is a that is a that is a puppy. That is a <laughs> that is a feline puppy. There, right. <laughs> he's he's a good dog. He is, he's very a good cute. Boy. I would cute hate for him to be an elfin lead. I'd hate oh, oh no! You didn't just. You I feel like you know a klaxon. Fucking... A klaxon should be going off in my in my room right now, and like I, all the windows and shutters should be coming down like full metal. Like we're in <laughs> lockdown. We've had he, a containment breach. Well, look, it could, be, it could just, be worse. Uh, it could be worse. He could. The dog could have been in full metal alchemist. Ooh, I've that would that. that would be worse. But Anthony, mm. you basically just code word Excelsior Chadon, and now he's going to, uh, uh, you know, just wander down Manchester <laughs> Avenue. Killing I've got uh, I've, I've got an entire <laughs> bottle of vodka, and I'm going to yeah. mix it with vodka. We, to we drink did vodka. like a we uh, uh, very early in our podcasts, early in our podcast lifespan. We did a like a was it like a four and a half hour podcast on Elfin Lead. It was. Uh, whew, it we was put more effort into it than the people who made the show did. I have I have many thoughts on Elf and Lead, most of which are complicated. The same way I would um, feel about like finding a Lincoln Park shirt in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> the closet I'm in right now, and looking oh, at the shirt of oh, at this moment. That's a woofed, woofed. Holy shit! That was a. That was a. That oh. was a moment. But not like God. a but not like a good Lincoln Park shirt. Like I mean, I guess after like their third or fourth album, uh, right, right. <laughs> not a hybrid theory. No, no, no. <laughs> not Meteoria either. Like whatever came after that, or like oh. the Transformers. Or it could, or it could be the era. <laughs> or I could, I could go one better and say, what about the remix album with Jay Z? Oh, that one the, I have yeah. mixed thoughts on. I think some of those remixes are decent. Enough, I like uh, I like the Executioners one on there. I like the one they did <laughs> oh, of. I can't remember what it was. Like one of the later ones, I like. I think like the end of the album is decent-ish, and everything before that is like an edgy mishmash of everything I want to forget about my childhood. I did, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, just why well, did dark new metal past? <laughs> oh, the, the 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 days when we didn't know any better, but now we watch anime, so we obviously have improved substantially. Oh no, I have no excuse. <laughs> I watched anime then too. 
Oh, yeah, me, me and... too. Me too. That's I. I didn't. Uh, I was discovering I, both I, anime I, and Lincoln Park was, around the same time. Then again, one could argue, you know, that you never had a choice, the master. Whereas I knew, and you were raised in the darkness. Uh, I've just been merely molded by it. <laughs> like, yeah, you got, I think actually at the time I was excited about Shadow the Hedgehog too. So in hindsight, there's a lot of things on. Oh, a lot of regrets. Oh. A lot of regrets. I think I actually made an AMV once. Uh, back when AMVs were a thing, yeah. where I missed yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog, uh, Elfin Lead, and I think maybe like Riku from Kingdom Hearts to, to finish a trifecta Jesus of ridiculousness Christ. with one of the remixes <laughs> well, from that Lincoln Park no. album. And no, I'm you not, didn't. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Jesus Christ, I felt like I I felt like I just found out that you've written the Necronomicon. <laughs> this is why I'm grateful that my, that YouTube channel got shut down years ago by Studio Ghibli. Yeah. I was very happy about that. Ghibli <laughs> killed that one and nipped that one in the bud. I'm like, okay, no oh, one will ever know. <laughs> Unless I, you oh, know, wow. talked about it on a, on a podcast or something. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be wild. <laughs> oh, God. Uh... All right, so we're going to close out by actually covering our Patreon questions here. We have uh, four of them, as a matter of fact. Um, Now, we may have already covered some of this uh, previously, but I'll say them anyway. And if we have covered them earlier on in this discussion, we'll mention that, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one comes from, and I'm going to mispronounce this one, because unlike with your name, uh, Anthony, I didn't actually write this one down phonetically. Mm. So here goes. Uh, Wushan Swiban. Swiban? Oh, no, I cox it. Bollocks. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Fine, carry on, we're walking, we're walking. Uh, <laughs> how did your view of the characters in Given change during the first season? Mm. We'll start with Anthony. Okay, I think the characters didn't change a whole lot uh, until the until the last act of the season, the last three episodes, I think. I think a lot of the characters mm-hmm. are pretty static. Uh, the big exception is actually Ritska, who I think starts, whose development I think is the most apparent. Whereas I feel mm. like the rest of the bandmates kind of stick in the same mold until, you know, their character arcs start to shift a little bit after the the band gets together, essentially. I think, mm. I don't think Muff, uh, Mafuyu really develops until, the, I mentioned it a lot before, until the last third. Uh, I think mm. I think that's the show's detriment, but I think when he does develop, it's quite nice. It's quite good. I just wish I saw more of that earlier. Yeah. I'm in agreement. Uh, Doc, how about you? Oh, this is an interesting question. Because I think we got asked this at least once, if not twice, throughout the show's run. Maybe it was about a specific character, right? How does how does your view of so-and-so changed up to this point? And, you know, when, when we were talking about that, there was always more of the show to come, right? Always more of the, the unhatched egg of potential. But now mm. we kind of have the whole thing laid out before us and... I mean, in some some of the characters, my view of them improved um, over time. Mafuyu being like the foremost among them. As as mm. I said, I was very worried in episode one that we are going to get um, a sort of yaoi trope issue, mm. a relationship of you know you got the uh, Uenoyama, the big strong dominant type, and then the quiet wafy boy, and mm. you know uh, tropes tropes ensue from there. Yeah. But like. Mafia ended up being a lot more than that. Um, In fact, I would argue, uh, at the end of the show's run, it's Mafia now who is actually leading the charge. Like prior to the relationship coalescing, like prior to the concert, even like 
so many scenes where they're wearing the armor, like talking technical stuff, music stuff, like this is a pe- amp pedal, this is an amp, this is these are the strings, blah blah, etc. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, he was leading him along, but then in terms of like actual relationship dynamics, like going somewhere on a date, for example, going to the beach, do you want to hold my hand, etc. When it shifts to that in the in the show's second half, quote unquote, even though it's the last like quarter really, mm-hmm. um, it changes. It becomes him now teaching him things and educating him, not on the same subject matter, but certainly in the same fashion. Yeah, it does kind of a role reversal in, in some interesting yep. ways. Yeah, uh, completely with their relationship and and yeah, I think for all four of the band members, there ended up being kind of more to them than originally i thought especially the older two haruki and akihiko uh i was surprised they got as much focus as they did but it was a welcome focus and then some of the characters my view of them i was sort of hoping that more would happen until the very end and then it kind of didn't mainly the the ladies yeah (laughs) they were uh they were ill-used i thought in in the show uh yayoi in particular i thought there was potential to do interesting things with and shadan has kind of waxed lyrical about this mm-hmm. uh on previous episodes but um but yeah kind of my my opinion of of them slowly went down as as we ran out of show and the show ended uh there was wasted potential there but perhaps yeah. uh perhaps you know we'll get a second season or something and and they'll come into play more yeah they kind of vanished yeah, we got the movie yet. they kind of vanished after a certain plot point i think one character who I think got a lot of development, which I like. Was the the one one Mafuyu's friend, um, Mafu and Yuki's friend, who like starts crying by the end of the series. Before like you know he comes in as this as antagonistic character, and then come the end, he's like crying after the band performance because he's so yeah. happy. I think that's like, Taragi, right? Taragi, yeah, I think Taragi. Yep, that would be Hiragi, Yeah, yeah. Apart is... from the complaint I had of him, like he he did he he was good regardless. Like apart from that one mm. particular moment that i had issues with i think he was the character i thought developed the most honestly in terms of the most apparent consistent if you take a ratio for screen time to development time i think he mm. was the most drastic development <laughs> he was the most efficient <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> not a single second wasted with him i loved it <laughs> yeah i am still of the opinion that i wish kasai got more to do I, my yeah. criticism of why is she not just simply a newspaper is half joke and half truth and it still stands yeah his his sister is um <laughs> another character well too. that was okay. uh yeah that was yayoi kasai yayoi? is the uh oh my god is the, the classmate la- yeah kasai is the lady who told ueno yama of the the past of oh Mafuyu. there we go that's how that's how little of an impression they all left on me i think well, yes well there exactly. you go that speaks volumes in of itself doesn't it yeah you know i remember taking a note when i, I started taking notes when i first started watching it the show and then one of the notes was uh the sister is so cool i love her and then she never did anything and that was kind of sad yeah i know <laughs> i know she was great god she was a really cool person like of maybe well, this is, that would be a bold statement to say of anyone in the show, but she's definitely feels like one of the best hangs of oh, the cast. Yeah. She's got, oh, yeah, yeah, she's got the same authenticity of like the banter and like the quips I mentioned before and the personality, uh, but that is all she has. Mm. 
I would, I would, uh, I would, I would hang out with her. She's pretty cool. Although I would also hang out with uh, at that coffee shop and drink all that coffee. So that's a factor too. <laughs> uh, can I, can I just say you were saying about food porn before, by the way, in other shows. Uh-huh. Like I have had a real hankering for Korean barbecue oh and giant God. flagons of beer. Oh I've not God. seen beer done in anime that well in such a long time, and it makes me want to have one. No, that was some of the best uh, beer I've ever seen in anime, um, by far. Because most often it's like just foam and like yellow. It's never done like not never done. It's, re- it's rarely done realistically, and I think that's mm-hmm. a factor too. Anyway, so yeah, sorry. <laughs> Also, they got it right by having it be in steins with handles. Like, that is the optimal way to drink beer, as far as I am concerned. Is there any other way? (laughs) Some patron, listen, patrons are listening to this, I'm sure. Uh, Request Shadon cover Bartender the anime. I feel like he would really get into that. Oh my god, I'm going to be an insufferable snob during that. Oh my god. What a weird... That's the like, one where they mix drinks and it like they solve like everyone's problems. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah totally. Oh, so it's oh, so it's Valhalla the anime. So like, it, well, exactly. kind of, right? I mean, Not exactly. It's 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 uh, a, a pretty glacially paced thing, but just I love that it exists because it's directed by Yasuhiro Imagawa, who is like a director of big action-y super robot things like mm. Shin Mazinger Z mm. and Giant Robo and Tetrogen 28. And then he'd made Bartender, which is weird. <laughs> something smaller scale, something more restrained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice small... Um, no, yeah. You, you're going to watch it. Uh, you're, you're, you're not um, maybe watching it. You are watching it. <laughs> I'm under marching orders here. Christ. Uh, fair enough, then. I'll put that on my seal list. Yeah, um, cool. But just to answer from my own perspective, uh, Wushan, um, yeah, I think that for me, like, I came to appreciate all the characters even more and more, just in the fact that, I, like I said, with that scene with um, Haruki's smoke break, like, a lot of their experiences felt relevant to me as time went on. Like, I've dealt, for example, speaking personally here, uh, with uh, suicide, suicidal ideation, um, mm. both in terms of how I felt and in terms of people I know who have suffered f- uh, from uh, the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, and while, of course, I think that the suicide elements could have been fleshed out a little bit more, and I don't say that lightly, by the way. I don't mean to make like light of, oh, we needed more of this stuff in there. You don't put stuff in that like, ham-handedly. Mm-hmm. But I do still think that even though like Matthew's character didn't really change as quickly as it otherwise should have done, or rather wasn't paced as well as you say, Anne, mm-hmm. I think that his overall personality in the first half of the show, which, again, is really the first like three quarters, mm-hmm. does feel like a rep like a reasonable response to like the traumatic like of, of trauma like you know of losing someone close to you in that way especially when as you've also said like the parents are so absent the the friends and like and family that you need for it are so distant mm. oh yeah i agree that yeah I, I i do think that that withdrawn element was done well i wish they did more before that i wish they did more before you realized that but i do like how they uh showed him being so isolated yeah and to also follow up what you said, though, is something I agree with. I do think that it would have been nice if we had just one or two small moments where the old Matthew pokes out just for a moment. Mm. And maybe it was something like that people would notice or something that they wouldn't. Exactly. Because I think with um, trauma all the time, they go for like the extreme 180 personality change. And they don't really show. It's, it's more of a, a back... I, I, like, like pain and trauma, it's a back and forth train. It's not just, you know... Yeah. 
the bounce. You have good days and you have bad days, yeah. definitely. Not yeah. not a linear journey. No, exactly. Mm. That's what I was looking for. That says it better than I could. Yeah, right there. Hmm. Just to so, look, oh, so I, I don't. I don't think you got. We got to. Uh, we we got sidetracked is not the right word, but we moved on from the the suicide stuff that I think you were going to bring up, Shadon, earlier. And just to put a bow on that, um, and go listen to the episode eight uh, reaction stuff we did for our fuller thoughts <clears> on that. But like, um, I agree with what you said, Shady. Um, like, you're not necessarily saying oh i need i need more suicide we need more so tragedy <laughs> porn or whatever oh, God, no but like no please <laughs> if you if you as a show and as a as a writer are going to do it you know you're going to stick your neck out and introduce these elements mm. um you sort of have a, a responsibility in some ways to do them well if you don't want to take the criticism and yeah there was that stuff at the end of episode eight i thought kind of trivialized suicide in in some ways in terms of like how yuki's rationale was related to us the audience that that i thought was um a little bit in in poor taste Mm, uh but luckily they didn't really dwell on that uh too much after Mm -hmm. that we got enough initial context after that that helps um but i mean like i suppose i can ask the ultimate like you know what if question which is can you in theory, jettison the entire Yuki suicide plotline and just have it simply be that they broke up or he left the city and left Matthew's life entirely, but is still alive. Can you do that without substantially changing the foundation of what Given is built on? I don't think so. You, no, you I don't it, think so either. You make it a breakup story and not a dealing mm. with trauma and pain. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, someone's got to die. Someone has to die in that situation. Um, it's rough because I'll. I'll go from a more personal standpoint in this one um very often death is used as an easy way to resolve these kinds of plots but since there's so many mm. characters who are uh you know queer in the story it's not the same thing as the kill your gaze trope where okay you have two gay characters and one's dead now bye <laughs> you're not left on that note you're left with you know there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them you know some people die some people don't life goes on you know which i think is important and in my opinion, if you had him live, you could always just go, oh, you're feeling lonely? Well, why don't you just give him a call then? Which doesn't have the same mm, impact. Yeah, that's true. Because there's always the open possibility of seeing him again or hearing from him again mm-hmm. in that case. Whereas there's a, a finality to it. Yeah. No, you're right, you're right. I suppose in that case then, that I think this ties back to my complaint with Hiragi's uh, involvement in that there's something about the way in which it's portrayed as a fourth lawbreaker to us that makes it feel very authoritative to me, which yeah. it shouldn't be because it is his incomplete perspective. And this is also why I say that I think that it would have functioned better as a thing that he says to Uenayama. Like Uenayama could approach and say, I know you knew Mafia back in the day. Can you give me some more info? And that's what you get. And... But anyway, uh, well, that's ground we've covered already. So we'll move on to our next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple now coming from Kate Rose here. So uh, I'll start with Hi, this. Kate. And this actually, this actually, funnily enough, is perfectly like a follow-on from what we've just been discussing, which goes thusly. With the actual amount of time that passed in the anime, uh, is it plausible for Matthew to heal from Yuki's death and simultaneously fall for Ueniyama? Before we answer this, I think we should just probably try and get a common ground on the amount of time in question, so we're all working from the mm-hmm. same page here. Because by my understanding, 
uh, Yuki passed in the winter of the year prior, and they're now heading into summer. So that is six months, would you argue? I thought it was a little longer than that, honestly, because like, I thought it was like a year. A full since year? His, since Yuki's death. I thought, I thought I recall hearing that, but I could be misremembering it. But well, let's play it on the safe side and go with the, a year, then. It was, yeah, it feels like... Oh. Because like, they well, had Japanese... seen... Cause, I'm sorry, I cut you off there, sorry. No, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm trying to... So is the Japanese school year on the same like it is it, it's different right like um does fall still begin the new school year no i think um, it starts with is spring. It spring okay because they know because uh the way that they talk about um that talk about yuki and mafuyu uh they they reference it being in middle school right but they're first years in high school right now if i if, am i correct in that or I am i wrong about that i think so because it was a boyfriend in middle school and then it was a rumor that went around. If it had happened that year, they would have been like. And plus, I'm thinking going off of also like, because um, it was apparently a while since he had talked to his old friend, uh, since Mafia talked to his own old friend. So I'm assuming it was more than just a few months. Right, right. Like it's like right. some time had passed. Yeah, and you're right about that. Yeah, and plus, like with self-destructive behavior like that, sometimes, you know, like with depression, with suicidal thoughts, you're not gonna get away from that. Even after a year, it could take, it could take mm-hmm. decades it, yeah. to recover. From if that. anything, uh, one might argue that it's worse the longer it goes on because mm-hmm. you self-reinforce. You don't have anyone offering you the counter narratives that Uemiyama does, like through his, you know, his affection mm-hmm. uh, to Matthew Days. So you internalize it more. Yeah. I mean, the impression I get, especially from the beach walk, is that Matthew has never really had a chance to get his feelings out there even just in, like, small conversations or small doses, even just to cry to someone, like, you know. And so, in some way, that makes it feel worse, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll offer my answers to this question now, then, which is... I'm going to say that there's two answers to this, actually, and I Mm -hmm. think that the answer is that I don't think he's healed from Yuki's death right there and then. I think that that's going to be ongoing. Because mm-hmm. we've seen, as Doc said, a synthesis of old Matthew who pre-Yuki's death and the one that lived post then who was very withdrawn. So mm-hmm. I think that that is, in some way I could answer, well, he's never going to heal. And that seems like a cop-out. But I think that more it's a case that he's on the way there, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But as for falling for Inuyama, um I think so. I think that can, I think that's definitely true. And indeed, part of that might be because Yueniyama and Yuki share certain similarities, not least of which being their musical proficiency. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I so, agree there. Um, I think going off of my understanding of how long the series takes place, well, here's the thing also, love in romance doesn't have to be like, you don't have to move on from the, from the last exactly. person you're with before falling in love with yeah. someone else. You can fall in love with someone else while in a relationship with someone else. To be blunt yeah. about it. Yeah, and that in turn, like, just from a writing perspective, can make for good drama. Like, if you're being exactly. very utilitarian about it, that's a good thing for a writer to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think there's nothing... And they don't go extremely in one direction or the other anyway. They, they just start dating by the end of the series. Mm. They're not, like, exchanging wedding rings here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not referencing anything by that one at all. Oh, <laughs> no. I, nope. Which, we'll, which we'll, I will also we'll put add. your thoughts on ice for a moment, then. No, I, I will on, on what specifically. Uh, exactly. Well played. Well played. <laughs> no, but but on that note, another show that deals with trauma and recovering from it is Yuri and Ice. Um, 
Hey. Oh my god, I've never played poker hey. against you, Ant. Oh, I've, I've moments, I've moments. No, but like that, I was going to use that as a comparison because that show does deal with recovering from trauma very well, but the trauma is personal, and that takes has mm. a very similar time span. In fact, it may even have a longer time span with more detail being put into self care and overcoming your own pain, um, with uh, with more visually obvious uh, forms of self destructive behavior. Um, I do think, though, with shows that deal with trauma, you're never going to get it right because there mm. is no right. Mm. There mm. is no one way to deal with trauma. There is no one timetable by which it's appropriate to say, okay, you're good. You can move on now because that's not how life works. No, that's yeah. a very good point. That That's well put and was going to kind of be the way I led into my answer that, um, you know, a lot of t- it, it's not so clean in real life, right? Like uh, you, you have to resolve your issues and box number one before you move on to box number two. That's it's often not the way of it. And um, I think uh, d- despite the timetable being whatever it is, like mm-hmm. the fact that he is still, Mafuyu is still getting over Yuki when he... Uh, falls for um Uenoyama and begins to date him like it uh resonated with me in personal trauma that I've had to deal with and a lot of times I mean this is like our only kind of gauge that we have to judge uh to judge things by um mm. and like I've talked about uh when we discussed Angel's Egg um oh, yeah. at length uh that when my wife and I lost our first child um, through, uh, it was a, a stillbirth, um, like, it uh, it was incredibly devastating, uh, as you can imagine. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, in the long term, helped us heal from it was trying again and having a successful pregnancy and, and birth and, and having a child caring and nurturing our first daughter helped us uh deal with uh losing our uh our previous child and you know in in a similar kind of way um it's not directly analogous or anything but you know uh mafuyu giving and receiving love and affection from uenoyama is a thing that helps that helps him uh, in taking steps to resolve his uh, kind of inner conflict and his trauma uh, with with Yuki. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That, uh, first off, uh, man, uh, that's t- that's uh, I can't find work enough. No, for that. But um, no, yeah. Thank that, you. That gets it. That, uh, I'm so sorry. I, I yeah. I I can't find words for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's hey. I mean, I the the. Your sentiment is is yeah. what matters, and it is appreciated. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But yeah, no, yeah, I think you hit it there on the head, right there. Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to add. Yeah, there. I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think your mileage is going to vary on how you feel as, and there's no right or wrong answer to the the question has been said there. Um, we all bring our own like experiences. Like media is not something that we consume in a vacuum, where we simply process it the same way every single time under the same set of rules and criteria and whatnot. Um, 
So speak for yourself. I have mm. media processing. I do, damn it. That's why I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we'll move on to the next question. This is actually specifically for you, Anthony, and oh, not nice. for myself or Doc. Oh, cool. Uh, so I'm going to now do the second attempt to pronounce your name correctly. <clears throat> uh, for Mr. Gramulia, ah, there you go. What do you? Th- Swiss. Yes. Yeah, two sure. out of two. There you go. Uh, what do you think was the best and worst moment of the show in regards to realistically representing LGTB relationships between the characters? Uh, assuming, of course, you felt they did so at all. Okay, you're gonna, you're probably gonna think this is ridiculous, but uh, the <laughs> the one thing that I think they did really realistically was how everyone in that in that group is gay, and they none of them know it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, that is one of the most realistic things I've seen in anything. <laughs> wow, it's like, it's like freaking magnets. <laughs> you know, They're standard it's, users. It's, it's, mag, it's magnets inside of like a like a dumb like freaking like felt sock. It's like it doesn't matter where they are, they, they find each. That's other. incredible. They find each other and they're drawn to each other. Now the whole the time, inner like, power draws yeah, you together. No idea. They have no idea. Just casually hanging out. Just, just you know. Like, oh, hey, what's up? Oh, hey, what? You know. I do find it unrealistic, though, on that note, that they're all attracted to each other. <laughs> hmm. That I find unrealistic, because that doesn't happen, like, in life. You don't really, you don't happen to have four, you know, all, let's be quite honest about it, well-illustrated characters, well-designed characters, um, all in the hmm. same space, who all are each other's type that just doesn't happen in any form but that's besides the point most of it and honestly most of the, of the portrayal is pretty realistic i think it's pretty you know it, it's it's straightforward there's no um yeah no i don't think there's anything too unrealistic about the portrayal i think there's problematic elements like i mentioned before uh, but it, but realism isn't a factor it's more how of a storytelling perspective but realism no they're pretty on par even that bit that hmm. probably everyone else thought was the wor- most unrealistic part. Like, how are they all how are they all gay and hanging out with each other? Nah, that sounds realistic. <laughs> I buy that. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question we have, uh, this is for all of us. Uh, what event or moment would you most want to see in the upcoming movie? Uh, Anthony, I'm going to let you answer this one first. Me? Uh, I want to see... Uh, this, is gonna, this is a random thing to want. I really want to see what happens with the the boyfriend character. You yes, get to. get to there we yes. go. The aperture science test subject. Because that one, I was like <laughs> the whole the whole time. I'm like, where is this guy going? Like, I I I'm, I got abusive, creepy vibes from him. Totally. I got like I got like vibes from him. Like, I don't like this guy. But they never really went to his care. You know, culminated with his character. So knowing there's a movie, I'm like, he's gonna be because they never resolved that subplot. They resolved the. So the other subplots in the, in the show, but they never really resolved that love triangle subplot, and it didn't seem like a healthy relationship to me. So I really want to mm. see them expand that. And I figured that by by the end of the show, it's like, oh, they're gonna they're, they're holding out on that. They're gonna expand that next season if they get one. Um, but that yeah. makes, when knowing there's a movie, that that tells me right there they're gonna deal with that. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's just that Ugetsu can't go outside because he explodes under sunlight. Well, he's a vampire, obviously. So, I mean, yeah, totally. yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, I'm gonna actually follow up next because your uh, point there actually leads on to something I'd like to see. And funnily enough, Ugetsu gets involved in this as a pressure point, uh-huh. which is that we've had now Matthew and Uenia Armor in prime focus throughout the show's run, and Haruki and Akiko's own 
burgeoning like will they won't they like understanding of each other has now sort of come forward because there was of course that scene with them on the stairs so let them be the focus mm. let's have the movie be about them primarily yeah. and them you know coming together um and then with ugetsu as i say is the pressure point like the fulcrum around which part of that revolves because akiko of course whether or not he is like in a relationship or it's just friends with benefits or he's just simply living there whatever like framework they live under that's still something that would be considered i mean even if it's completely like platonic like mm. i can see for example from a writing perspective haruki like learning of that history between them and being jealous or worried or like not believing the truth fit that no we were a thing but we're not anymore there's plenty of potential to be mined from this mm -hmm. and they're like for the main characters it's their two like arcs that uh, and their two like coming together that is not yet resolved yeah. so i want to see them get the prime focus next I, i'm down for that uh that kind of reminds me of the yuri nice movie where they're going to be talking about a totally different character i should stop bringing up yuri nice that should be a <laughs> i should no should be like a, not a, at all. a marker on my neck whenever you, you, I, I think up. yeah like a dog electric power <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> okay for me i'm gonna approach this from things that i don't want to see in the movie because uh -huh. you, uh -huh. you you guys have hit on a couple of things that I would really like to see, actually. But this, <laughs> the first one that I'm going to talk about is not my real answer. It's it's I pray to God it's not going to happen because this is some darkest timeline shit. But mm -hmm. Shadon, much earlier in the discussion, when you were talking about the parents, <laughs> uh -oh. I can't I can't stop myself. Uh, why did I Go think about this? One. <laughs> okay oh so, lord he coming <laughs> okay Oedoyama, we, we, we've seen oedoyama's dad mm -hmm. we've seen mafuyu's mom okay no <laughs> right you can stop there no. stop there <laughs> no i, I don't know what, right i don't know what next step is here well mafuyu has uh, his mom has you know, Miss, Mrs. Sato has probably cut oh. bait with the husband who got sent off to jail. Okay. So, in the darkest timeline, now that Oenoyama and Mafuyu are dating, oh. suddenly oh. they're stepbrothers! <laughs> I hate you so fucking much right now. You have no fucking clue. My hatred burns brighter than a thousand suns, you prick! <laughs> I'm not going to be able to wash that out with an entire tank of brain yeah. bleach. Do this it. is like, this is Do prime it. doujin material. Do let it. me tell you. Uh, no, okay. So that... If that book ever gets wrist, I'm throwing it at you. Oh, and, th <laughs> and then they make a light novel together where they little sister... Oh, God, no. Yes. This is absolute yes. trash, and I love it. <laughs> I love this. Okay, no, but in all seriousness, a, a thing that uh, I think... Uh, is a trope that I hope that doesn't happen, like a story beat that that I feel like could happen that I don't want to happen is uh sort of artificially generated drama between our two leads that sets back, sort of dials back the character development that they had at the end of the show, so that they have to reclimb the treadmill uh to get back to where they were i hope i want to see them uh deal with an obstacle that um that can happen to 
people that are in a relationship. But I, I want it. I would like to see it done in the form of progression rather than something that feels like character regression. Because uh, I feel like that often that so often happens when mm. uh, in, in, a, in tons of anime in particular, like when you're coming back to completed stories, um, like yeah. what do we do with these characters that we have to have on screen because these are what people are paying to see. We have to fill screen time with them doing something. Well, let's just kind of erase character development so they can walk the same path again. Don't don't yeah, do that. Yeah, the, the show already has enough problems with character development going forward. Let's not take steps backwards either. I, I agree with that entirely. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement as well. Because to me, like just if you look at it simply as like character progression, if you dial them back only to put them where they started, then to me, what's <clears> the <throat> point in the actual film? Oh yeah, like. Well, why bother? Unless it's like brought Money. up for continuity say later. It's just well, well okay, yes. <laughs> yes, there is that. No ethical consumption of the capitalism, blah de blah de blah. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> we have one final question. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to these, Anthony. Um if you've not uh, myself and Dot, we can answer those. Um this is again from Kate Rose. Mm-hmm. There were two versions of the main song that Matthew sings in Given in episode nine. Mm-hmm. One was in the drama CD and the other was the one from the anime itself. Could you listen to both versions, look over the lyrics, and comment on which you think fits the show best? Um, I'm going to start on this one. Yeah, um, that's not my territory. You guys got this one. <laughs> okay. Um, I've not actually read the lyrics of this. I've not unfortunately had the opportunity to do so, but I have listened to both versions. Now, the irony is <laughs> that for a band just starting out, the one that comes from the drama CD sounds very much like wide expected here <laughs> quality wise from an lp mm-hmm. like the very first lp one band puts out and the one that comes from the anime is just superior in practically every way that's measurable like matthew is like actually singing with like the full emotion he has which gives it real weight even the guitars are more like energetic like during that moment during the main chorus um mm-hmm. so for me like i can understand like you know maybe listening to the drama cd one in a vacuum but at the same time, the, sh- the song like is so intrinsically tied to the show's pivotal moment that I don't think you could listen to it in a uh, like in a vacuum at all. You'd always think back, this just isn't quite the same as what it was like, you know, in the scene where they actually play. And I'm just talking in terms of like how good it sounds. Mm. So no, in my opinion, the anime one is superior in every way that's demonstrable, um, apart from being slightly shorter. But well, that's neither here nor there, really. <laughs> so my take on it is, I'm of two minds. Um, I think musically, I'm with you, Shadan. Like the the performance in the anime, like just the sound of it, uh, is incredible, um, and it's vastly superior, as you say, to um, the version in the drama CD. Uh, I, I would not want that replaced with the other thing. Um, but like lyrically, I actually prefer the drama CD one. It feels, um, and now granted, like, I think Wushin was saying that the the Crunchyroll lyrics, uh, the translation that they provided was, oh, no, that's not the Crunchyroll lyrics. They're different from the Crunchyroll lyrics. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, the, the one in the anime feels like a sort of generic love song that you could write for any couple. Whereas the drama CD version uh, feels like something that Mafuyu would have written about his life. Like it feels a lot more specific to mm. to him. 
and his uh, relationship. So uh, mm-hmm. I like the lyrics to that one better. Okay, fair enough. That sounds that sounds reasonable. Yeah. And I might want to add mm. that having not heard any of these songs, my commentary right now might be completely useless. But <laughs> I think in context, it makes more sense for it to sound rougher and raw, more raw, considering yeah. what it is. But again, I have to actually listen to the second version. I lo- I really thought the anime version was uh, was something. <laughs> so that right there is, I, I, as in I want to see if it's on Spotify and then be disappointed when it's not. We, as it happens, Anthony, I think we have both versions uh, linked to us, one of which is on SoundCloud and one of which is on uh, YouTube. So uh, okay. after the cast, you and myself and Doc will uh, will set you up with those. Please. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise uh, that concludes all of our Patreon questions. So uh, to Wushan and to Kate Rose, thank you both very much for offering those final questions on Given and saying final anything about Given makes me feel a bit sad right now. Mm. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, if you are listening to this and have enjoyed our uh, discussion here and want to actually be involved uh, more closely with shows that we cover going forward uh, week on week on Second Stream, uh, please feel free to consider becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month. It'll get you Discord access. Uh, higher tiers will also grant you access to exclusive content such as actually be able to catch up uh, or rather catch our um, ongoing commentaries as they come out week on week rather than a couple of weeks behind as well as other uh, exclusive um, shows like the one I did about Akikin, which... Ah. Um, and on top of that you'll if you subscribe to the highest tier the five dollar one uh, you'll be able to request shows for us to cover uh, for which Keegan was requested I'm currently in the process of scripting and recording a discussion on Tokyo Godfathers Doc uh, I believe you're covering Kino's journey yes indeed yeah uh, so we'll be having more of those uh, indeed if you want me to ca- cover bartender the anime as Anthony suggested <laughs> that's certainly one way of doing it uh, but yeah do feel free to consider joining for a Patreon uh, uh, for as little as two dollars a month Anyway, uh, that otherwise concludes our discussion um, given both the series and our like overall thoughts as, as a whole. Um, it's just to quickly sum up from my perspective, I've really enjoyed the show. It's not without its faults, but I think there's plenty to like here and I think that it's certainly an important show. Um, but as Anthony said, doesn't mean it can't be bad. Doesn't mean there are, you know, that we have to settle for it. We should, like, even should, so, shows that are good as this and there are successful is there's nothing wrong with demanding more. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. And speaking of which, uh, Anthony, uh, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking yes. the time out of your day to come join oh, us. Your insight has been incredibly invaluable, and on top of that, it's been a real delight having you here on the podcast. <laughs> for say so, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for taking the time to come join us. I really appreciate it. That was my Big pleasure. Same. I probably wouldn't have seen given uh, otherwise, and I feel like I definitely saw something that was very much worth my time i think so thank you oh, well thank you for asking me to watch it and thank you for asking me on i really appreciate it, it yeah words how do i use them <laughs> <laughs> well um, i'm st- I, I i'm still trying myself i haven't yet figured that out yeah well, uh, I, oh it's a problem for me because i have to be paid to write so for me it's the worst i don't even know what words are kind of it so mm-hmm. i i i think i i know i speak for shadon and i'm sure all of our audience when i say um we hope this is not the last time that we have you on our podcast, Anthony. It really oh, has been. Yes. It really has been great. Uh, oh, it's I, been a really enjoyment. Tell me a show, I'll I'll watch it whenever. As long as I have the time to do, record, I'm down. I I enjoyed this quite a lot, quite honestly. I <laughs> I enjoyed this hour long podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, right. It, it's 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 just compressed time. It's fine. I'm going to speed everyone's voices up so we all sound really squeaky <laughs> oh, when we fit good. into the hour. I always wanted to be a chipmunk yeah. and Alvin and the Chipmunks. That sounds wonderful. 
Uh, I'm being Alvin. I'm just pointing out there right now. Uh, anyway, oh, I'm being the cool one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, otherwise, uh, wherever you may be listening from, if you're listening to it on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, um, if you would be so kind, it would be really appreciative if you take time out to just, you know, drop us a subscribe, drop us a like, drop us some feedback if you have any. Uh, all of that really helps for our discoverability, and we really appreciate when people do that, even if you're not a patron. Oh, um, uh, really but, quickly. Oh, sorry. Um, just want to give... Anthony, uh, one more time to plug uh, where folks can find his writing and what he's working on. Okay, indeed. I'm glad you uh, you asked that. You can. I am usually active on Twitter. My account will probably be linked in some description here, but it's A G R A M U G L I A. Twitter. That's my Twitter handle. Um, if you want to spell that out. Uh, I'm usually I frequently write for a CBR. Usually I have like something coming out that day, typically, if not more than one. Uh, on occasion I write for the Mary Sue, uh, Anime Feminist. Though those come out more slowly because those are a much more in detail edit and writing process. Uh, I contribute to those sites. Uh, I've contributed to Medium. My Medium account has some other stuff that they wouldn't let me. Uh, I didn't pitch to other mag- other websites because I didn't feel they'd want that. Uh, no, just general. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter. That's you'll find most updates on big projects I'm working on. Anyway, In- indeed, definitely check out these There's Plenty of good stuff to be found there. Mm-hmm. All right then. Uh, well, from myself, uh, from Doc, and Doc, of course, thank you as always for doing this with me. It's one of the highlights of my week. Um, the pleasure and- is mine. And of course, to you, Anthony, as well, for taking this hour day to offer such great commentary and great wit as well. Oh, my um, pleasure. <laughs> this has been this has been Warrior Desha. We've been covering Given. Uh, we will definitely be back to cover the movie in 2020. Yes. Uh, we should be back next week with a new series, which we've not yet decided on. We need to finalize the voting process. Well, now. I don't we'll, think it's going to we'll... start next week. Oh, even I think I think we oh, get a, a week, another week off of second stream. We're Oh, Vinland oh, Saga, cool. Vinland Saga marches on, but I don't think the new shows will begin until Oct- later in October. I think it starts beginning start of October into like the. I think My Hero Academia is one of the later ones on the twelfth. I think that's one of the later ones this season to start up. I think, but I could be mm-hmm. mistaken. I've been trying to pitch articles about that, and they're like, "Yeah, let's wait to see what's popular." Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, basically, folks, I think my sense of time, space, you know, and all that has just been completely fallen out of my backside. So, ignore everything I just said. We'll let you know, of course, what we're covering next and when it'll be coming on. But until that time, of course, as always, as we say here on Warrior Death Show, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe, and a very good night. Wow. Good night. Good night.